Hey folks, thanks for downloading, subscribing. Welcome to another week of the Live Life Wrestling Show. This is Hogan. Got Mike Muller on the line. I'm hyped up, man, because when you sent me the podcast schedule for the rest of this month, and I saw this guy on there, and then I saw who he's associated with. Now, first of all, I, saw, I was like, wait a minute, why does that sound familiar? So then I looked it up. I was like, Blasco, really? So my, first of all, Rob Zombie fan right here. In case yeah, people didn't know. And then when I saw that, I was like, okay, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm hyped up about this show today. So it's going to be a lot of things that we're going to talk about, man. And I just hope that, you know, <laughs> it doesn't end up being like a four or five hour show. Because now when you're talking about two worlds that I've been involved in, when you're talking about music and you're talking about fitness, and you can bring them both together and see how they're parallel, I could talk about this stuff for days, man. <laughs> all, all, all we need to do is throw in cigars and coffee. And hey, we'll, man. Well, we'll I got the coffee right now. I just don't smoke cigars in my house. But trust me, if I was out on the patio right now, I damn sure would be doing it. So our guest is a big coffee fan, too. And we'll get to him in a second. Yeah, I'm really psyched up about today's guest as well. I, I heard of him on Jamie Josta's podcast, which I listen to on the regular. It's a great show. And actually, our good friend John Joseph was on this week's episode. And oh, that was a nice. fantastic episode. So I encourage everyone to check that out. John is always dropping great knowledge. And Jamie's a great interviewer. So anyone who's a big fan of the music industry, and you've always wanted to know behind the scenes type stuff like you love those behind the scenes episodes on vh1 his podcast is like that it's like you're privy to a really interesting backstage conversation and that's what i think makes podcasts fascinating it's funny because we had charles poliquin on the podcast and most people love the episode but a few of his sycophants oh, <laughs> they're basically saying oh when you get a guy like charles on just let him talk like, it's like that's well, called well, a lecture. Well, yeah it's like well look dipshit this is a podcast he's coming on our show for a conversation he's not coming on to give a lecture yeah. and he came on two times He's a fan of the show. He's a fan of us. That's why he comes on the show. He doesn't go on many podcasts. You really think he wants to just come on and talk for an hour while we just say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, great, Charles, great. No, he wants to have a conversation. Exactly. He didn't come back for the second time because he didn't enjoy the first time, and he said he'll <laughs> come back anytime. <laughs> so guess what? As long as he's happy, we're happy. And if you just want to hear him talk, go, go to his YouTube channel. So anyway, just had to get that out there. Now, next, let's move on to some of our listeners that are going above and beyond just listening to the episode and sharing it and giving reviews. They're actually buying stuff to support the show. They're using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements money can buy. So just a few names here. We've got Nathaniel Riviera, Mark Linkish, Todd Benbow, Juan Albert. Nick Farina, Kenneth Watson, Jed Santos, Steve Rollett, Frank Torelli, Lindsay Spittler, and Jeremy O'Brien. They're all using that coupon code LLA to support the show and get 10% off some great products. So it's win-win all around to support my business. You get 10% off some great products and you support the show. Keep it free so we don't have underwear commercials and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and pitch a bunch of products we don't use like a lot yeah, of shows we listen spend, to. Yeah, you spend the first 20 minutes of your show pitching, 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 and then it's like, come on, man. You can't just get to the show. So, you know, also, man, I also want to thank all of our listeners that support us on a monthly basis on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Truly appreciate each and every one of you guys and ladies. And there's a box on there, you know, for your pledge. And it has a one in there with that dollar sign in there. Like, look, folks, we want to push this thing over the edge, man. I, I'm seeing some I'm seeing some people on Patreon, man, and I've I checked out some of their shows and I'm seeing what their what their fans are paying, you know, and what they're supporting them with, man. And I'm looking at some of this quality. But look, man, those fans don't even hold a light to any of you guys listening out there, man. Let's show them. So go over there, man. Become a monthly supporter of the show. 
go with a $5 donation, go to $10 donation. Hell, some of our fans have $20 donations on there as well each month. So if you really feel like you're getting quality from the show, you're learning a lot, man, you know, show that by actually becoming a Patreon uh, supporter each and every month. And, hey, let's go ahead and let's push this thing over. Like, what was the goal for, what I say the goal would be this year, man? Let's say we try to get, what, about 100, at least 100 by, I, I'm changing it by June. You know, by yeah, like one one fifty, I think is a good number. Yeah, one fifty. We, we have tens of thousands of listeners. Yeah. Come on. So yeah, that's the goal right there. So by the time we hit our three year anniversary, you know, in in May, let's go ahead and have one hundred and fifty Patreon, at least one hundred and fifty Patreon subscribers, man, who are supporting the show on a monthly basis. All right, so let's just make that happen. So all right, let's get on with this, man, because I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. I've been, yeah, sitting listening to the, been listening to a few albums like since, you know, I know this was coming up today. I want to get into the into the mode here. So I've been listening like to Sinister Urge, man, and Educated Horses and Hellbilly Deluxe, man. Now I've been really listening close and like listening to the bass lines and all. I'm like, OK, yeah, there's there's our guest right there, man. So I'm hyped up. Let's do this. Well, the bass lines were machines. So that's not something <laughs> we'll talk to. <about. laughs> now, our guest today yeah. is Rob Blasco Nicholson, and he has a very interesting background. He was a founding member of the crossover band Cryptic Slaughter. I remember yeah. listening to them in high school. Fans of DRI, DRI remember them quite a bit. He played bass with Rob Zombie's solo band, and he was in Danzig, played bass there as well. Yeah. And now he plays bass in Ozzy Osbourne's band. And on top of all of that, he's also a manager of top hard rock band Black Veil Brides. Nice. And great. Hey, man, how you doing, Rob? Great to have you on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, certainly appreciate it. It's very cool. Yeah, and I, I, I heard you on Jamie Josta's podcast, episode 137, and it was such a great conversation. I hit you up on Twitter to come on the show. And then to my surprise, you actually know who I am, and you're a fan of my book. So that was really cool. That was a fun day. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I've connected with you on Twitter a few times. Like, you know, like when I read the book, I was just like, you know, for me, like I, I use Twitter in that way of like, you know, connecting with people that I else, you know, wouldn't have a way to connect with. So, uh, you know, I was like, I, 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 you know, blazed through the book and I was like, oh man, I'm going to hit him up and let him know that I thought it was awesome and, uh, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, that, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome to hear because I'm a big fan of your work. So it's always cool when my work is being affected out there too, being a proliferated. But man, I was, I was laughing listening to that episode you did with Jamie because you managed the Black Veil Brides and you said you get a lot of people that are emailing you and bands always say, Hey man, it would, it would really help us out if we could open up for them. And you're like, yeah, I'm sure it would help you out. You know? <laughs> What's it going to do for me? And it, it reminds me of so many emails that I get to where, for example, people will email me and say, Hey man, I'd love to take you out for, for coffee. Or lunch. Well, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Yeah, you always have these guys reaching just, out to us, uh, man, and then you're like, hey, you, you know, look, dude, uh, I got this new DVD, man. It really helped me if you give me a testimonial. Like, I haven't even seen it. So why, why would I give you a testimonial on something I haven't seen? Like, oh, but you know, man, you know, oh, but I'm, I'm a big fan of your work. I've never seen you. Well, man. yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, it's just like to me, it's like no matter who's listening, I feel like. You know, you're always wanting to connect. You know, you find yourselves like even me, right? Like, I don't know where you guys are at, but me, like, like as like I'm not. I want to get to another level too, right? Like, right. I'm not. Like, I haven't reached the end of the road, right? Like, there's there's still people that I need to meet. There's still there's still bigger equations that are in my life that I need to get to, right? Yeah. But like, and as much as it's irritating for someone to to hit me up and ask for something just for free. Or whatever. Like I, I am uh, on the flip side. I'm in the position to be able to hit up people as well and ask for favors. But 
you know, you have to do it in a way to where you have to provide some level of, uh, of, of return value, right? Yeah, some like, exactly. reciprocity. Yeah, man. Otherwise, be... otherwise, you're just you're nuisance moochie. networking. Yeah, nuisance yeah. networking is like what I call it. Like these guys that are contacting <laughs> you saying it would really help us out. And then yeah. we would we would blow up if we opened up for them. It's like it's like you don't know you would blow up. And and then what is it doing for me? It reminds me again of people that are saying I'll take you out for lunch. I'll take you out to coffee to pick your brain. And it reminds me of an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer's lawyer is uh, is t- is helping out Kramer with the case where coffee was spilled all over him. Right, he got burned. Yeah. So then, so the coffee company is like, okay, let's offer him free coffee and fifty thousand bucks. And then he's they're like, okay, we're going to give you all the free coffee you want. And then Kramer accepts it right away, right? <laughs> so the lawyer, without without hearing the fifty thousand they wanted to pay him, so Kramer's lawyer, his lawyer is just totally pissed off. He's like, look, man, I don't. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't need free coffee. I can get free coffee. You know, <laughs> coffee's not hard to get. But that's what I always feel when these people hit me up. I go, look, man, I can get lunch myself. You know, that's <laughs> it's not, not hard to get. I'm not hungry, man. Sure. That's why I'm not what. It's like, sure, but it, but it's never it's never. Here's what I want to do to help you out. It's what it's okay. Here's what you can do to help me out. And that when I first got in the business, I used the exact opposite approach. I did I did a method of contacting people and interviewing them to help them. I go, I'm going to get you in some major exposure. I'll get you in muscle and fitness. I'll get I got Clarence Bass on the front cover of Iron Man magazine via an interview. It was never what's in it for me. What's in it for me was obvious. Just being able to associate with such people. And get in their in their world in some capacity, but those people wouldn't have given me the time of day if I just said, "Hey, I'd love to get you on the phone to pick your brain." <laughs> you know? Right, like like their time is so invaluable that they're right. you know I mean it's 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 that balance, right? I mean because it's like you know I manage uh, Zach and Black Label, so yeah. that so that so that pretty much covers the full demographic there, right? You've got the younger bands that are sort of in the Black Veil community, and then you've I, got the then you've got the older bands. That are sort of in the in the black label community, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's just all day long, you know. It's just like, uh, uh, I, or you know, it'd be great to be able to do that. I'm sure it would be great. Like, that'd be, <laughs> fucking, awesome. That'd be fucking awesome for you or whatever. But it's like I'm not in the. I'm not in the oh my god I can't wait for some band to hit me up because I have the slot I need to fill business. I right. mean like yeah. you know it's just like it's, man, it's more like, powerful if you find them on your own right exactly. like if, if you go to a show and you're like man these guys are killer let me hit them up to come open well, up. Well, that says a lot right there. It's like wow dude for real you you notice me? <laughs> you know? Of course and like for instance like I have a very good, like specific example so there's this band called The Shrine that's from. From uh, Venice, California, and they're sort of like the skate rock, you know, band, and they're they're cool. And I've been a fan of theirs for a while. And and then Black Label's going out on tour, yeah. and um and and I hit them up, and I go, hey man, like I'd love to have you guys come and open for us. So, you know, like it's like I get nothing out of that, you know, other than like I want to put a, together a cool package because right. I think that they need to be in front of more people. And I feel like the black label people would be the right fan base for them, you know? And, and, and so, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like they were like, fuck yeah, man, they were super pumped on, you know, being able to go out and do that. So it's like, yeah, you know, finding, finding the right things or, but like, but just even in, in, in the context of the conversation, it's like, man, like, humor me like offer to like wash my car <laughs> exactly like like come over and like dude I'll, cl- I'll clean the litter boxes like you know what i mean like at least at least at least come at me with something like because I, I, I tell people like hey look man it's like i get it that you have nothing to offer i get that's where you're coming from right. how but however 
it's like if you look in the grand context, what you're looking to hear is build a network, right? Yeah. So yeah, if yeah. you so if you at least come at me and make me laugh, or you you, you know you, you you come at me with some kind of sense that you know if it's humor, if it's if it's something to where it's like I can at least then respond, right? Yeah. You know, it's like because like every so often, you know, you'll see you'll see the guys on the side of the freeway with the signs, you know, it's like, right. hey, can you can you give me some change? But the one, the ones that you give change to are the ones that have like the funny sign or whatever. They're just yeah, like, hey, yeah, exactly. it's, it's just like the one guy with the cardboard sign that just says straight up, I need beer. I money. need beer. I'm like, not hungry. <laughs> you know, like, dude, you know, I got to respect that. Here's a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. You know? Or are the ones that want to clean your windshield or yeah. <laughs> clean your tires. They're like, hey, can I, can you help me out? It's like, okay, I can respect that. You're trying to put in some work. Yeah. I'll give, right, you, I'll give totally. you a dollar not to use that dirty water on my windshield. How about that? But at least, you, at least I'll give, it's really a dollar for actually the effort that you put forth. Like, you know what? Hey, I'll, I'll clean, I'll do something for you other than Agreed. just have my hand out. You know, yeah, I think that's the operative word efforts like successful people innately want to help other people. It's been my experience, but they don't want to help other people that are just all talk and don't back it up. So if you're if you're out there hustling and you're pushing it, you're like you just naturally want to see that person succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And looking for a handout. There's nothing more irritating than some dude looking for a handout. (laughs) I would have people come to my seminars and they go, man, that was a great course. They go, we should team up and teach a course over here. I go, yeah, I'm, I can see why you would want to do that. <laughs> you know? But it reminds me, when I first started teaching kettlebell seminars, yeah. my, my coach who got me into it, Paul Vosatzelin, he offered to come out to my first course and co-instruct with me as a way to get more people in the room. And that was a very generous offer, but I gracefully turned him down because I didn't want a bunch of people showing up just for him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'd rather have three people show up who are there for me than 20 people who show up who are there for him, and I'm just there. Yeah. And 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 then you're gonna owe that dude a big favor, which who knows what that big favor is. <laughs> yeah. right? It's like that may not be something you want to get into. You know? Yeah, that that's also yeah. a good point. That's also a good point. That's I'm very focused on being self reliant too, and, and part of it is that reason. It's like I don't want to. Not that I'm not that I don't want to network with people, and I'm, I don't let people help me out. It's just that if I can do it on my own, I'm not, I'm not gonna just pass the buck. Yeah. And like I said, there's something can be said if you're just out there. If you're out there hustling, man, doing your thing, don't worry about, you know, oh, man, I hope so-and-so noticed me. If you're doing your thing, man, you're not going to care if you truly care about that thing. I mean, that's right. the situation happened with Mike and myself. I was just, I mean, look, first of all, man, when we first met, I was a customer. Okay, I was signing up for his courses. I'm trying to learn. I wasn't even going and signing up with the intention like, you know what, one of these days I'm going to end up working with that guy. Yeah, he's going to work with me, but let me go ahead and buy in right in. No, it's just like, no, this dude's bringing some great information to the table that I think can really help me out with my business. And as far as me being a coach, going into this world, coming out of the music industry, you know, I, I resonate with this guy a lot better because I'm, I'm like that now, even in the firearms industry. I'm looking at all these people, but there are certain people that I resonate with. You know, so I'm like, okay, he kind of fits my personality. I like his straight up in your face type attitude because that's just the way I am. I like that. And there's some people that dance around things. I, I didn't care about that. So anyway, sign up for his courses, man. And then throughout the years, just like he hits me up out of nowhere. Hey, man, I'm coming to Houston, man. You know, want to know if you want to do a course together. You know, I totally yeah. wasn't expecting that, but I'm not an idiot either. I'm like, fuck yeah, I will. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, now it didn't just stop right there. It's just, okay, yeah, I've, I've said yes, now I've committed to it. Now in my mind, like, okay, I got to make sure that he doesn't regret fucking asking me, you know, to do this course <laughs> with him. So I got to, like, put, I got to come beyond my A game, man. I got to go beyond that. Okay, and I got to make sure that people leave, like, you know, that was a damn good course, man. And, you know, that, the other guy that was with you, man, like, oh, wow, he really, he brought it. That's the way I'm thinking about this, man. So I'm not going to sell myself short. Well, you have some folks where they appreciate you reaching out to them and they just think like, okay, that's cool. He, they, they leave it at that. 
He's like, okay, he likes me. So, you know, hey, I'm just, just do it. I'm just going to go be subpar now at this point. You know, I'm good. Well, some people are just happy to be part of the club, right? In other words, they, they look at success as they're friends with a few people that are successful. (laughs) And even though they're not successful, the fact that they're friends with a few people who are, that's a win for them. Yeah. And that that's a deadly trap as well, because now you don't feel like you have to do anything. Well, my thing is, if I'm friends with those people who are successful, then for me to be a true friend, I need to stay on my grind, too, because I'm a reflection of those folks. So if I'm really their friend and people are going to see me and like, oh, you're Mike's friend or whatever. I can't be a buster. I can't be a loser out there, man. <laughs> you know, who sucks at life? Because they're like, oh. You don't want to just be that other guy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> like, who's that? Who is that dude that was with you? <laughs> but it seems, it seems that what it comes down to, like what you did since you paid your dues and what I, what I think you deal with a lot, Blasco, is a lot of bands, just like trainers, they just don't want to pay their dues. They just want to bypass that process. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that's, I mean, that's probably got to be par for the course and just about anything that, that, no doubt, no doubt. that, that, that looks easy because i i feel like it comes from it comes from misperception mm. of of like you 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 know your life is in such a way to where you know you're looking for an escape and you look at the things around you and the mm. things that are around you that are potentially inspiring are things that are visible because they're successful but whenever you're you're not looking but what you don't see is the steps that it took to get to that successful point all you're seeing is is the reality of the success. And whenever you're looking at it in such a black and white attitude, it maybe the perception is that it looks easy and it looks easy to get there. Like I, like I remember my mom always saying like, I can sing, like I can sing as good as Barbara Streisand. Like I, <laughs> like, why, I could, like, why couldn't, why couldn't I be a successful singer? You know what I mean? And right. it's just like, but it's, 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 it's no one's fault, like on either end, but it's just the reality that I, I feel like that, that when you get to that certain point, it's easy for people to look at it like what you did looks easy. I mean, if you're, I suppose, right. if you're good, I suppose if you're good at what you do, that that you make it look easy, which is partially the problem too, right? No right. doubt. And, yeah. and then the, and then the visibility of it is is also. I mean, because man, you look at, I mean, because you look at look at pop stars, and you can just go like, wow, that's it. Like someone, else, <laughs> someone, someone else wrote the song. Someone else put your makeup on for you. Someone else shot the video. And Pro you know, Tools you, made them sound good, <laughs> right? And, 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 and right, and and the software made it put it, it put it in key, right? So, so like, what did, what did you even do? Like, who couldn't do that? You know what I mean? But there's, but there certainly is, there is certainly is more to it. But their perception. Yeah. What it is certainly seems like it's pretty easy. Like, like that with I, acting too, right? You watch a movie, you're like, oh, they're just talking. Like, I, can, I can do that. I, I could do that coffee shop scene in Heat where Pacino and De Niro are just talking to each other like two regular guys. That's easy, right? Go try doing a play or something. You realize how crappy you said. You're like, man, I suck. <laughs> pros pros make it look easy no matter what it is, whether it's so, snowboarding or MMA. And so does editing. Right. So how many times they may have messed that scene up? How do we know? You know, the thing about it because, again, you look at the finished product. It's funny. Yeah. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, because by the time we hear this podcast, you know, it already happened. But a couple of weeks ago when uh, we were talking about when we actually talked about the UFC, when we talked about McGregor versus Aldo, you know, so yeah, eventually, yeah, McGregor knocks Aldo out in 13 seconds. So now everybody's talking about, oh man, that was way too easy. You know, it's just like, oh no, dude, this is like a culmination of things that this guy has put in the time to work on, yeah. you know, for years, for de- for at least a decade. Okay, he worked so, on that about, precision. That was which not is why it connected. exactly. Yeah. It was not a 13 second knockout. It was about a 14 year knockout. 
Okay, yeah. that's what people need to think about it because that's right. all the work that's he had right. to put into that. So of course, and then of course, everybody's like, "Oh man, that was way too easy." No, it wasn't. <laughs> Somebody, he's bled. He's yeah. probably had some things broken. He's been sick, got staph infections, whatever else. That's all the things you don't count. And also, you got to look at what happened with Aldo as well. Somebody, well, you know about the bruised ribs and the staff and all this other stuff like that. But he's put in probably about twenty years of work for that thirteen second knockout, and he'll come back. But again. Yeah. Everybody can be the easiest thing to be is an armchair quarterback. That's the only thing that's easy to do. You know, sit back there and be that guy or that girl who just sits there like oh, I could do that. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, I mean, that's one. That's one thing you said, Blasco, on Jamie's podcast is that it's it's not about the ideas; it's the execution that's right. the most important thing, and that's that's so true. I mean, I, I know people that got in the business when I did back in 2002, and they had a million ideas. And no one knows who these people are because they never executed. Even I don't remember their names because they never executed anything. Right. I mean, even even me, man, like I, I can't, you know, you know, I mean, I can I can speak for myself and as much as like, man, I got I got plenty of ideas, but there's only so much time in the day, right? Exactly. Like I got right. I got like I got ideas that aren't even music related, you know, yeah. and, and stuff. And and I can even I can even go as far as to spend time outlining an extra execution plan <laughs> for these things but you know sometimes man it comes down to like you just got to prioritize you know yeah, what, right. what yeah. you can really do it's so know? hard to execute an idea too you know yeah. i don't want to make it sound like it's like all oh, these losers that can't execute anything it's it's easy to come up with ideas and get excited and yeah. be in that anticipation stage where like oh man i can't wait to do it <laughs> and then you start doing it and you're like oh this is a lot harder than i thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. like i guess i don't want to do it like I, one of my nutrition supplements my testosterone booster it took three years to get that out there right from yeah. the from from the idea inception because I didn't know what I was doing it was new territory there were so many roadblocks along the way I mean the reality is if if I didn't really want to get it out there I would have given up a long time ago yeah I mean in in the book like when I when I picked up your book I mean it's early on in the book and and the, and like I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it memorized but it's something along the lines of like you know a secret to success is really it really comes down to the basic premise of like being willing to do what you don't want to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. and I was like, Oh my God, like dude, mind like, like exploded. Right? And, I was just, and, I, and I, and I just closed the book and I put it away and I didn't even touch the book for like a week. Cause I had to really process that, you know? And, 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 and I was like, fuck man, like that's like, seriously, like that's it. Cause it's like, I mean, I think about like whenever I was in Danzig, dude, like when I was in Danzig, like I had two jobs, like I worked during the day, at a used clothing store, and then I worked at night, like in a bar, like bartending. Wow. Or whatever. And it isn't like I had crazy expenses, but I just felt like I just felt like I'm not a loser. Like I don't want to be like other people I know that maybe were in a band, but then like the, you know they felt like their reputation was at stake if like they actually had like a day job. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like yeah, and and, yeah. and, I, and I, I was just never that guy. And yeah. and, uh, and you know to do the you know to do those things that you don't want to do and certainly like did, I, did you do that because you needed to, you you weren't getting paid enough or did you do that more as a as a security thing you wanted to have other income sources going on well i mean it was just that you know you got bills and like i like yeah. i said like mm -hmm. i didn't have bills that were crazy but like in danzig it was like a, a time period whenever like nothing was really going on so there was oh, okay you know, there, there was just like no dough coming in right right and, and um and, uh, and stuff. So it was just like, it, it's just like, you know, like you got bills to pay. And like, I just figured like, man, like I gotta, like I gotta make money regardless of, of how much I try to dumb down my expenses to keep things real. Yeah. At the, at the, at the end of the day, man, like you still gotta, you still gotta pay, pay for yourself. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have like the self-respect to not like mooch off people and live off yeah. couches, you know? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I think a lot of people, 
will be somewhat surprised when they hear a statement like that because they just assume when they see a band up on stage, oh, these guys are loaded. They probably drive. They probably drove a Ferrari to the event and they're going to go home to their to their luxury house in Hollywood. After <laughs> they, don't, they don't realize that for most bands, you're 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 doing what you love and that's a success, but you're grinding. Grinding, man. Sure. I mean, it's and yeah, I mean, like that is so so not true. And and you know, in this day and age, obviously we're get, get something we'll get into, but like. Mm-hmm. It's it's more difficult now to to make a real sustainable living, um, you know, and and like if there's like a level of consistency that you're you're fortunate enough to 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 have, um, you know that that's great and you can do that. But like even the sustainable like bands like and there's a lot of them like in that mid tier that you know have like a sustainable living and they can put out a record and they can do it and they can tour and and there's like you know they can do like thousand cap rooms and. You know, they sell a couple thousand records and they're able to make a living. These people do not have living mansions and have, you know, exorbitant expenses. Yeah, it's like right. they, they but but what what they did is they go like, you know what? I, I know that I could spend all of my money. I know that I could have those things. But the reality is, is that I, I want to actually sustain myself. You know, I want to know that I won't have to go looking for a job because I blew all my money. So you have to really look at your expenses and yeah. and modify them to a way to where you go, this is how I can comfortably live. And this is the kind of car I'm going to drive. And this is the kind of house I'm going to have. And this is the kind of life I'm going to lead. However, I will <laughs> never have to work at McDonald's. Yeah, I think the yeah. truth comes out whether you actually want to do what you say you want to do, right? So a lot of bands will – they'll get into it for the wrong reason. I mean, not necessarily the wrong reasons, but maybe they have additional reasons which are not congruent with which where they should be, for example – the band Madball, we're friends with Freddie from Madball, and those guys have been crushing it for a long time. And they have a, a modest, they have, they have a good life. They're not loaded or anything like that, but they don't seem to care about that. Well, maybe some bands will decide that if I can't have the Ferraris and the mansions and the Tim Brods and all that stuff, then it's not a success, which means they didn't really want to be successful musicians per se. That wasn't they, the they just wanted, They wanted to be rich, you know, right. so they were, they, go, they, go they were, they were an investment banker. <laughs> yeah. They were aspiring to be on MTV cribs, but ended up on VH1 behind the music. Like this is something that I, I, I tell like musicians kind of getting started off. And I was, and I just go, look, man, like you gotta, you gotta look at, you gotta look at a potential career in the music business. You, you gotta, you gotta define the success in this way and this way only. If you're going to define your success and how much money you make, then yeah. you should, then you should get into something else. Right. right. You sh- you, but if you're going to define yourself, uh, your success on how much music you make, then you could infinitely be successful, right? Because if the goal is that no matter what, I want to play music and, and then, then your success can be, you know, tenfold. Or whatever, but if you're only basing your success on money, you're doomed from the beginning. Yeah, yeah with the same thing with the training business. I remember I had an, an Oracle executive who wanted to get into the fitness business, and he said that he wanted to make sure that he makes three hundred thousand a year, which is what he makes as an Oracle executive. And I go, look, man, I was like, I'm not saying you can't make that; it's possible, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's not going to happen your first year in the business, or your second, or your fourth, probably not even your fifth. It's going to take a long time to build your brand and develop that kind of wealth. But the fact that you're even thinking of that as a requirement is a bad sign. You should be getting into fitness because you you love training people. You love putting out this kind of information. You don't care about the money per se. You just want to do something you're passionant about. So that was your nice way of saying don't quit your day job. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, but if it's like, but the, if, if the passion is there, then the money will follow. Exactly. Because exactly. It, it's like, right. Because it's like, look, if you're going into it, like, I mean, specifically, I mean, because it's like, man, you got like, you really got to look at that. You got, I mean, you, it's not like, it's not like the information isn't there. And, you, and, and mm-hmm. it's like anyone that kind of looks at this and just be like, oh man, I'm getting into music to make money. It's like, wow. Like, <laughs> what, 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 what are you looking at that you can even deduce that as a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> I, I look at most bands. I don't even know how they make money. I mean, I was at the Mushroom Head concert a couple of days ago and, <laughs> yeah. and these guys, it, the, the room was far from packed. I mean, it was probably 200 people in the room. These guys, yeah. and they've been grinding and, for a long yeah. time. In fact, they were like, when I saw them, the first time I saw Godsmack in Toronto, and this is like 2001, you know, Mushroom had opened up for them, and I'm like, who are these guys? I mean, I, I, I dug them, even though I was kind of thinking like, um, this kind of reminds me of another group, you know, just the way you, yeah. know, you guys are presenting yourselves here, <laughs> you know. Sure. So, you know, but at the same time, I got I got past that. I got past how they were, you know. Yeah, they, they don't sound anything like Slipknot. No, <laughs> they do their not. Their music That's is totally different. I had, to, I had, to, I had yeah. to get past the look. I was like, okay, they're not Slipknot. But they, they don't sound like Hollywood Undead either. <laughs> another <know>. bad mask. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I'm looking at the energy of the room of at that time, probably about because they opened up so probably about 50 people were there at that time you know it was it was a different type of energy so i was like okay these guys they could be okay but now you, yeah. here you are mike talking about they were in a room with about 200 people I'm like well i mean one problem is this is the second time <laughs> i live in las vegas this yeah. is the second time they were in vegas this year they were here in april and now they're here again in so december eight, eight months so that's later. when i when i was a kid right when i was going to concerts in the 90s i mean when a band came around it was a big deal it's like Metallica's coming. It's like, oh man, we got to go because we're not going to see them again for two years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Here, here's so now you, in Vegas, now whenever a band comes through Vegas and, and yeah. you can't make it, you just go, ah, I'll catch them the next time around, which will probably be in a few months. You know? Yeah, yeah. Now here's a, a, a clear example that is an email I got yesterday. It's totally different music genre right here. But okay, here's Adele, and she's selling tickets for her concert in November in Texas, November of 2016. And it's right. probably going to sell out in 30 seconds. November, <laughs> she has two shows she's scheduled for Dallas, two shows in Houston, and two shows in Austin. That's six dates in a week in Texas, and they're going to sell out. And, you know, and this is from a, a year from now. How many yeah. of these groups out there that think they're going to be rich from being musicians can actually say, what, and say they can do the same thing? And they can mirror that type of success. Okay. Yeah. Well, the problem think. is it's it's hard to hold someone's attention because I'm a huge music fan. I listen to a lot hours of music every day, right? It's one of my big hobbies. But I mean, I'll, I'll have a band that's the flavor of the week, where I, you know I'm listening to them a lot that week, and then the next week I've moved on to someone else. Totally forgot about the last band, you know. So I think it's so hard for a band, even a band that's making some great music, to just hold someone's attention long enough where they really get into right. the music and then go buy T-shirts and then make sure they're at the live venue. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, it's like, you know, the Adele thing is such like, you know, it's just one of the one in 10 million where it just it it just had the appeal to everyone. Like when when all is said and done, it will be the one record that every household in the world has. Right. Exactly. You'll find yourself singing. You don't even have to like the song, but you'll just. You'll sit there and ride around like, hello? What, what the fuck? Why am I saying that? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I just right. start singing that damn song? Because you've heard it everywhere. You know, right. and, and, and it has a certain appeal to it. Even if it pisses you off because you don't want to be a part of that appeal, it has some type of appeal. But it's, o- it's okay, Sincere. You can say you're a fan, man. Oh, you I'm don't a have fan. Just- oh, I, I have no shame. And I, I am a fan. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's my, I, like, I like, you know, 
talented, curvy women. You should know that by now. No, she's she's very talented. Man. You can't you can't deny that she's very talented. But, but, but like Blasco was saying, like some you, you just don't know what's gonna pop, right? right like you were exactly. saying, you like you were saying Blasco in that Jamie Josta interview where some bands were saying, man, if we could just open up for you guys, we would blow up. And you're like, you don't know that. You don't know anything. You don't know what's gonna blow up. There are so many songs I remember listening to growing up, where when I heard them at the time, I was like, oh, this band's gonna be huge. And then they they never got any traction. Exactly. Oh, I, oh, I mean, like, look, I mean, it's like it's so laughable, right? Because it's like, look, if anyone had a crystal ball, because that's what you're telling me. You're telling yeah. me that if you open for my band, it's like no one has a fucking crystal ball, right? Because if anybody did, we wouldn't we wouldn't even be here right now. All all of us that had the uh, the understandable of the crystal ball, and we knew what to predict, whether it was in fitness or music or whatever, yeah. we would we would be in fucking some tropical destination <laughs> somewhere. With our fucking toes in the sand, having someone else like do all the heavy lifting for us. So, like we wouldn't even be like we wouldn't even be podcasting. Like no, it, no, it's so true. You could just you could just put your whole life savings on the McGregor Aldo bet and not break a sweat. You're like, I know exactly what's gonna happen. Bam, there it is. Right. It's just like, come on, man. Like, you know, and, and like the interesting thing about the, the Adele thing, to go back to that for a sec, because like, I, I I feel like it potentially resonates in what you guys do too, is like like Anyone will tell you that you cannot, you cannot like build a business around the hope of appealing to everyone. Like you, you need to like niche the fuck down and and, into something to where you, you're having an appeal. And she's just, like I said, she's just that one in 10 million that appeals to everyone. And, 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 and you, and, and that goes against all rules. But what's uh, crazy? It probably, is, it probably what's wasn't crazy even her intent. Well, you know? I was about to say, what's yeah. crazy is that's not what she started with. It's just like she was actually no. going for it. She tried to dial down a niche, like you know, look. I'm fucking sad. My life sucks right now. Yeah, I, I want, you know, but there's so many people who live in sad lives out there. They resonated with it. So it became pop, you know, it became popular because being sad and having, you know, just feeling like the world's crashing down on you. and You need to come back some way, somehow, but you don't know how or whatever is now popular culture. You know, so it was it was accidental. If anything, you know, hell, she'll even tell you that. She says it all the time. It's like she had no idea it would, it would happen like this. And it takes a minute for you to even grasp that when that's not your intention, when it starts to happen like that, it never gets comfortable to you. You know, she, no. you know, she was even saying that. That's why she had to take a, take time away. She's like, look, I need to go be with my family for a while. Okay, enough. I'm, I'm not sad anymore. You know, actually, yeah. now I'm happy. So now she had to go reassess like, okay, what do I do for the next album? Because now everybody expects me to be depressed for the rest of my life. Like Alanis no, Morissette. It's she's not, though, because nobody wants to listen to that every record. Every song. It's like, like, you're, not, song, it's like you're not record. fucking happy yet? Well, damn. <laughs> and you're still breathing? Some of that stuff. It's like, this music's making my life depressing. i got to stop listening to this. <laughs> no, but like you, like you said, Blaska, you have to have a very particular niche. When I first got in the business, I decided that I only wanted to work with a particular kind of mindset, someone who – is willing to do the hard work, is not going to whine and complain, wants to take charge of their life. And that's the whole live life aggressively motto. So I presented my business in a way which is going to be off-putting to a lot of people, but those are people I don't want. So that's a positive. And then it's going to attract the people that are a right fit for me. So those are the people I enjoy working with. So it's win-win all around. So why would I want to work with someone who I don't like and enjoy working with? I'm not going to be able to sustain a career doing that. No, you'll hate yourself every day. Exactly. And and, but yeah, I mean, but it's like it's like, man, everything is an accident. I mean, granted, I'm pretty sure all three of us, our existence was an accident. Like, oops, somebody did it. Right. (laughs) I mean, uh... but but you can but you can but it can be an educated accident. Like you can go 
like you went into the kettleball thing or, you know, you, you go into these things with like, at least you go like, well, at least it, if it, you know, if it doesn't work out, like, but you know, like I'm going into it as like an educated accident. I know what I need to do. I don't yeah. know if it's going to be successful. You know, it's like whenever I got in, whenever I started getting in the business, like, dude, I just wanted to play bass. Like I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to, you know, segue into what I got into. Right. Like right. I mean, that, that was that was like the first decision that I made when I got into Ozzy's band. Like when I reached the height of what you would think that someone would just go, fuck yeah, here I am. Right. I'm, uh, you know, like I'm tagging out. Like I, I, you know, I fucking planted the flag in the top of the mountain. Like that's whenever I, got, <laughs> that's, that's whenever I got nervous. That's whenever I was like, fuck man. Like now what? Like that, like the, you know, like the, the, the goal of getting there and just the drive, like the, you know, the thing that keeps you up, you know, that wakes you up early and just the drive to get you there to, you know, cross that finish line. And you, and, and then when I got there, I was like, Oh fuck. Like I, you know, I didn't as, as a, as a 16 year old kid that was putting out a cryptic slaughter record to <laughs> even, to even think that I was going to be on stage with fucking Ozzy Osbourne. It's not even, it's not even a real thought. You know what I mean? Like you can't, do you, do you have moments where you're up on stage? You're like, man, I can't believe I'm up here with Ozzy. Like, you're you're, you're looking over here? to the right. You see Ozzy. You're looking at this huge audience <laughs> every single time, man. <laughs> like every, every single gig. It was like the, for instance, like the, uh, Sunday, we, uh, Zach and I, we did this thing for Lemmy, Lemmy's uh, 70th birthday party. Oh, cool. Right. Wow. And like, so like Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses and the cult calls us up. Hey man, we're doing this Lemmy's thing. You know, do you want to be a part of it? You know, we got, we got like Slash and Duff and, and, uh, you know, Jonesy and like all the, wow. and, and like all involved. Like, and we're like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Why not? And then like, but even that, like, that's not even Aussie, but I go like, I'm in the same room with like, <laughs> with like, guns dudes with like you know fucking sex pistols with yeah. you know billy idol like what like how cool. how the fuck am i even in this conversation <laughs> you know and so like man i'm super appreciative and like every day i'm just like why am i you know why am i here but like but but it's like you know you, you put into it like 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 an educated accident you know mm-hmm. it's just like man I, I i feel like i mean i feel like that's where i am now to where i can kind of visualize things and and anything i do is is more uh is more calculated than than before i'm just like oh fuck it man like i'm just gonna play music in a garage with my buds and like whatever you know like now now i I definitely don't have that mindset (laughs) i get the impression you're following your passion wherever it goes in the industry so you started off as a bassist and then you got more into the business side of things managing bands how did that whole transition happen was that fairly organic or was it something where you just saw an opportunity and took it well, I mean, it was, it was, so to continue what I was saying is like, I, so I got an Ozzy Osbourne band. I, I, I get there and I'm just like, holy fuck, man. Like there's nowhere left to go. Like I'm, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around and like, and, and all like only thing above me is like ACDC and Metallica. Right. And then I'm like, but those gigs are like spoken for, for like ever probably, right, right, you know, right. and, 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 uh, you know, and I'm like, well, fuck man, I guess you better figure out something to do. Otherwise, you're going to be some 50 year old dude sleeping on people's couches. Like Ozzy retires and they're like, sorry, bro. And like, now what? And like, and, mm. and, 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 and it was like this, I had to do like a real self analysis. Right. And I had to really look at it and go like, do I want to be that guy? Like, do I love playing music so much that when Ozzy retires, am I the dude that's willing to go 
form a band with my bros and go start back off like at the whiskey and shit. Fuck no, I'm not that guy. Like, <laughs> you know, and 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 and, 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 and you know, and, and and that doesn't mean that I I don't love playing music. I do love playing music. However, I am now have have, have paid the dues and graduated to the point to where I don't love playing music that much. You know, right. like I, I, like I love playing music. I love playing War Pigs and Crazy Train in front of fifty thousand people. Right, but right. I, I, like, but, you know what I mean? But like at 50 years old, come on, man. Like, no, you don't want to be at a club also with, with 50 people in a new band. But what you're saying <laughs> makes me laugh so much because it may, I look at how hard I worked to do kettlebell workshops early in my career. You know, now I'm now more of a nutrition supplement company. But for 10 years, I pushed those workshops hard. And for the first couple of years, it was 20 kettlebells in the backseat of my Honda Civic <laughs> driving from L.A. to Arizona to make 300 bucks. You know, it was like yeah. that kind of those kind of weekends every weekend. And I would if I I would if I had to do that all over again I don't think I would do it you know so that's why I'm laughing at you so if someone's like hey man are you willing to go do that again fuck no I'm not no. willing to do that again. been there done it man no way no way it was like it's it's funny like 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 uh Zach and I have we have a, a little side we have like a little side project thing and it's uh-huh. and, it, and it's called Zach Sabbath and it's me and Zach. And Joey C plays drums. Who and Joey C play? He play was in Queens of the Stone Age for a long time, right? right? right. And so we have this little like power trio, and we do all Black Sabbath songs. Hence why it's called Zach Sabbath. But like Zach, he's like the singer guitar player guy, and it's just power trio, and we do all Black Sabbath songs. And and it's a fun thing that we do like on the side, right? Whenever the, the opportunity arises. And we recently did a couple of gigs like at the Viper Room, and and uh, and we and we put them on sale, and they sold out in an hour, and it was and it was badass, right? I mean, fucking, it was these hot, sweaty clubs, and we fucking sold them out, and it was it was just fun, and it was fucking rad. So and and the, and the booking agent was like, all so like you know, did you did you like that? Like, did you like playing like the clubs like that? And I go, yeah, fuck yeah, man, like it's super awesome. Because our careers is playing fucking arena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's not like we're fucking pushing pushing fifty years old and to play the Viper Room is badass. It's like that. You know, that wouldn't be the case. But in uh, context, it you know, it's awesome. So so anyway, so so anyway, I, I I climb to the top of fucking hired gun bass player mountain, right? I get I get there, I look around, and I go fuck, dude, it's it's fucking breezy at the top, you know, and and I so I go I go I gotta I gotta plan for the future, you know, I got right. I gotta make I gotta make a real educated guess of what's next because this is the end of the road here, right? And and I said and like I said too, I had to do the self analysis, and I go, you know what? My bass playing career ends when Ozzy's career ends. And like when he retires, like I want to retire too. You know, like I want, I want to go down in, in, in the Wikipedia. I want mine to end where Ozzy ends as far as playing bass, you know? And, um, and so I go, okay, but what do I want to do? What, what do I, what do I love doing? I still love music. I had to, you know, I honestly, like I still love music and I knew that I had to be in the music business because assumably there would be people that, maybe don't want it you know that they're like i'm just over music entirely like like you know like you were saying like you're like i was in the music business for years but like i got out of it now i'm into doing something else that i'm passionate about yeah so 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 i so i had to be i had to be uh i had to be realistic and go okay well what do i want to do and i had a couple of i had a couple of missteps like you know like i was like maybe i'll be a producer maybe i'll be like an a and r guy or whatever you know Mm -hmm. but I, i but regardless of any of those at least I knew that I wanted to be in the music business and I was looking around in there mm-hmm. for what I felt was like my, my good fit. 
And, um, and I go, so fuck man, like what, what is it? What is it that I have? Like, well, fortunately I've been in the business since like 1986, right? Like no. I got, like I, I was luck. I was lucky. I was like a 15 year old dude with a band of 15 year old dudes that got a record deal at 15 years old and started putting out records whenever we were 16 years old. Like by the, by the time I graduated high school, with me and my buds, like we had put out fucking three records and gone on tour. Like who does that? Yeah, that's you know? crazy. So, 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 so I was very fortunate in that. And I go, and I go, I look at it and I go, okay, well, you know, what is it? What is, what's the real like premise of what a manager needs? And he's like, he needs a network, right? Cause it's like, if, 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 if what a manager does is provide opportunities to his client, there has to be a network there, right? Like if I, if I pick up a client in my mind, I have to go, what's the first phone call that I'm making? Like who's, who's the first dude that I'm calling asking for that favor that I know that I'm going to have to repay, right? So, so because I'd been in the business for so long, I had built up a network. So I logically kind of looked at it and I go, well, I feel like management could be a good fit because I have a network of people and I've been in the business for a while. So I also, in terms of, potential client like i feel like i've got a, a sense of credibility right in that in that like yeah well yeah that's fucking cool that i'm an aussie's band but i i have a long stretching career and there is a sense of credibility that i was in you know a hipster fucking cryptic slaughter band you know and, and, and whatever and, and and stuff so so there, there was there was kind of a like a, a logical formulation of of how i felt like i could fit into the management role so that's what I started doing. Like, you know, like, like, and that's the beauty of the music business, right? Like you don't need a fucking degree or anything to do right. anything. Like it's right. just like, uh, you know, it's just like, not like being a doctor, you know, yeah, or exactly. a, a lawyer or something where you got to like actually be educated. Like you're just like, <laughs> like, man, like, like just me playing bass. Like I want to be a bass player. Cool. What does that take? Oh, you need a bass and an amp. You know, if you want to, if you want to play loud and that was it, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, that's all I needed was a bass and an amp and a cord to connect the two. And I got in a room with some dudes and then the here, here we go. Right. Yeah. So, so much like that management thing was kind of similar. It's like, okay, like uh, I have a phone and I have a laptop. Now what do I need? Well, I need a client. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and the only thing differentiating me from being a manager, not being a manager was having someone to manage, you know? Right. And, and, and so, so I went and I scoured the internet and found some bands to manage and, and, the, and there we have it. And then, and then it just started going. And then, and then you go, okay, dude, well, now you got to kind of put, put up, you know, put up or shut up because now you've got some bands to manage, but now you got to make this, now you got to make this a career. Now, you know, you know, now, now you got to, now you got to really do this for fucking real. And, um, well, and, what, what, what are you doing as a manager with these bands? Are you helping them get record deals, helping them be, like, helping them get gigs, helping them with the, building their brand, all of the above? All of the above. And like, yeah. obviously, like, it, but you got to figure, right? Because, I mean, re relatably, here I am. I'm starting off at, at ground zero. So it's not like I could – it's not like I could pick up a client that was established. <laughs> right, like, right. Exactly. Because I, I, I'm, I'm no one. I have, I, have, I, have no, I have no track record. I mean, yeah, maybe cool. Maybe you think I'm a cool dude. But, you know, but then all that means is we're going to get beers or something. That doesn't mean I'm going to manage your career. That, that's what I, I tell trainers, too. I go network with people that are coming up like you. You know, go teach a workshop with one of your peers that's also hungry like you coming up rather than someone who's well-established, who who gets people pitching him for that kind of stuff all the time. Right. Yeah. So so I, I just had to scour the Internet and find some bands that would just fall for my bullshit and and just go along for, <laughs> and just go along for the ride because they really had no option. 
Right, right. Like, well, they learned uh, the industry early, right there. You know, yeah, all for the bullshit yeah. <laughs> and the promises. You know, and yeah. You, like, luckily, you came, you came through with them. You know, right? Like it's you or no one. So, 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 so then, so then it's a matter of then it's a matter of of a case by case basis. You know, yeah. what what is what does this band need to to make a career? Um, you know, is is it is it a record deal? Is it, you know, is it a booking agent? Like what, cause you know, cause sometimes there's components that people have, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it, early on in the bands that I pick up, they had nothing. So that was easy. So you just go out, not easy, but I mean, easy in terms of make, building an action plan. It's yeah. pretty easy because you need everything that you don't have and you don't have anything. So that's, that's easy, you know? So like Where, any, anything is a step in the right direction. Exactly. Right? Anything's better than what you have now, which is not a damn thing. <laughs> totally. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Like every, it's like every, everything's a win, you know? And, um, and, uh, and then, uh, but then like, say for instance, like years later, I pick up Zach, like Zach's already established. Right. Right, so right. so that that's a completely different plan of action. Whereas I go, I got to I got to reinvent this dude's brand. Like that's that's a com- much larger task, you know, right. getting 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 a band a record deal. Fuck you. No problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I could do that in my sleep. But, you know, reinventing some established dude's brand, that's a whole different mm. ball of wax, you know. So. So it's it, it's a matter of just um you know it's it's a matter of, it's a case by case basis of of what someone needs and you go in there but like I said the the real basic premise of what a manager does is he provides his clients opportunities and that's and that's what it comes down that's right. the broad stroke and then obviously it details further from there but that's the real big broad stroke of what I do yeah sometimes it could be expanding merchandise you know getting commercials commercial deals. Or, yeah. So it's just, or, just or, anything to push the band forward. And glorified yeah. babysitting, cleaning up the bullshit they're leaving behind and you know, so they don't <laughs> get arrested or whatever else. It's like you you're a you're a fixer, you know, big time for a lot of stuff, man. You like oh, yeah, people man, have no, no idea. Like that fifteen percent they that managers get paid, like sometimes they deserve a lot more depending on who the artist is. Like, dude, that dude, <laughs> you, that dude you need to up his pay, man, because he's cleaning up a lot of mess. You know, constantly. Oh, and I, I realize they're working for, you know, record labels and when these artists are going on tour and have to go out and do promos with them and meet and greets and all that and just the way these artists would act because some artists are just well most artists are big ass babies you know and they get the reason why I say that because the label if they're you know if the label cares about them at that time they do so much for them that the artist doesn't have to do anything but just show up and use it's not on time they show up and perform and then everything else is taken care of I mean they even give them per diem and all this like okay here's this is the amount of money they go on the road and, you know this is for cover their expenses blah 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 even though it's not really you know the money coming from the label it's being taken out of the artist's pay but the artists you know especially a lot of young artists have no idea like that per diem you know that's you know that's coming out of your your tour here right you know they're not just giving you some money but basically what they're doing they're giving them an allowance like children you know and and it's usually spent on crap as soon as they get in town hey sincere we want to go to the strip club dude it is 2 30 in the afternoon i don't care i want to <laughs> i want to go to the strip club where's the weed man at i'm like they have, they have a good buffet there <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know <laughs> when, you watch, when you watch those behind the music you know that the yeah. most like the most tragic era was the fucking like eighties hair metal era. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. those poor those poor <laughs> bastards thought it was just gonna keep on coming. <laughs> right. You oh, know? Yeah. And it I, was I remember just, when it crashed, man. It was it crashed hard. Hard, dude. Like like it never even happened. Brutal. Like because you know I live in LA and and uh you know we and we you know you drive down the strip on a Friday or Saturday night whenever yeah. it was like you know the heyday of fucking hair metal. Yeah. And yeah. it was like 
between the whiskey and Gazaris, which is, you know, was the, which it became the key club, which is now some other like dance club or whatever. But like, you know, that, that little zone of the strip, it was insanity packed with people, just craziness. Right. And when smells like teen spirit hit, you could drive down the strip and it was immediately a fucking ghost town. Yeah, it was like, amazing yeah. when that happened. That whole Seattle scene, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, yeah, and Nirvana. Things, it was amazing when that happened. Yeah, that was one of the things yeah. I want to talk about, man. It's just like, you know, the artists that you've, you've been associated with and worked with between Ozzy, you know, and Rob Zombie and all these guys, Danzig and all these guys, they've, they've had such longevity. And then there's that period, that era, right after when, you know, when they were like really at the heyday of their, you know, coming at the end of the 80s. When you go into the 90s, you got all these, like I said, the grunge band. So you have people like Kurt Cobain, gone. Shannon Hoon, gone. And now, just a few weeks ago, Scott Weiland, you know, gone. Yeah. All these guys, man, just gone, 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 dead. And then, you know, you have these guys who have some longevity. Like, say what you want about Oz. Ozzy's still here, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, I mean, and, I mean, beating a lot of odds on, along the way. You know, so, you know, I know you've seen a lot of stuff. But what do you think is like the key to these guys having such longevity after all these decades? I mean, Ozzy, what are we talking about? About four or five decades now that he's been in this yeah. industry? And, you know, Danzig and we talking about Rob Zombie, you know, well, I, especially with Rob, you know, reinventing himself so many times over, man. But like, what have you seen that helped these guys have longevity through all this and not get caught up in all that madness and still, you know, they're still here with us? Like inherently, I feel like these particular individuals are, you know, smarter than the average rockers <laughs> for starters, you know. Um, and I also feel too collectively what they have in common is that they are they they are the singers, and so so maybe you know analytically there's something there. Um, I haven't really thought about it, but I feel like also too that that you know that they've also surrounded themselves with smarter people. Right. There you um, go people that can kind of help get them out of problems or that can direct them in a certain way to where they're not, they're not, you know, getting themselves in, in trouble or, or when they do get themselves in, in trouble, they can direct them to get themselves out of trouble. Um, and it's just, and it's just, it's just the directive of guiding them to making the right decisions, whether, you know, it's like career decisions of like, right. when should I put out a record? What kind of record should I put out? You know, uh, when should I tour? What kind of room should I play? I gotta, you know, I gotta ride the, you know, I gotta ride the wave, you know, or, or, or do I, do I stay my course or whatever and, and, uh, and stuff. So I, I believe that a lot of it has to, you know, be, be attributed to just these guys have surrounded themselves with people that have given them good advice plus their own intuitiveness, um, of what the right thing to do is with their career. Right. And, you know, you're talking about riding the wave, man. And another thing we kind of hinted on earlier when I was talking about, I was listening to, like, you know, Sinister Urge and all that and going back, and we were talking about just the proliferation of technology. You know, especially, like, it's odd how out of all the great music that Rob did with White Zombie, it took, yeah. like, Hillbilly, you know, before he even got noticed. You know, and this was a little bit more where he kind of stepped up and started the, the, the introduction of Pro Tools started to take over. You know, and now all of a sudden, this is like now people are paying attention. And, you know, um, people are now saying like, oh, wow, this is probably I think it probably sold better than any of his previous white zombie albums. All of them actually combined, you know. So how is it, you know, especially for a guy like yourself, who is a bassist, you know, how has technology affected you as far as, you know, just as far as you having the longevity and still going out there, someone who is actually talented enough to actually play an instrument compared to all these bedroom musicians who are like, I have pro tools. You know, I got the latest software just cause I see it a lot with DJs, man. Not everybody's 
freaking DJ now. I'm seeing freaking musicians now call themselves DJs because they have a software program. And I just kind of, yeah. I, I want to take a turntable and just bust them across the head when I see that kind of stuff. I'm like, dude, you're putting two songs together. Um, I can do that with an iPod. Okay. <laughs> Still, you can't call yourself a DJ, man. There's an art to that. So, you know, how does that affect you, man, as far as technology and now all these bedroom musicians now because they have the software to do so? I mean, it's kind of twofold, right? I mean, on one hand, it, it levels the playing field a lot. Now, keep in mind that whenever, you know, whenever I was coming up in the, in the mid eighties, mm-hmm. like it was, it was 12 inch vinyl. Like yeah. there was there yeah. or, or, or cassettes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 uh, and like seven inches, track. you know, 45. Yeah. You seven know? inches. Yeah. But I mean, but to, 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 for cryptic slaughter to make a record, right? We yeah. had to make a demo tape. We had to send the demo tape to a record label. Yeah. The record label had to give us a record contract. We then had to go into a studio with like two inch tape and mm-hmm. make a record. And then that was pressed on vinyl. And then that was, you know, distributed to the record store. It was quite a process. I mean, yeah. to be, you know, be totally fair. I mean, and, and to where what that did is I'm not saying that, that because you, you were able to put a record out that you were a good band. But what I'm saying is, is that there was a weeding out process, right. you know, if, for whatever reason that a lot of, a lot of stuff got never made it up, you know, up to me even being in the public ears or eyes just because it's like they were never able to get a deal or they were never in the right place at the right time or whatever it was. But for, for better or for worse, probably for better, it was a weeding out process. Now, the three of us could start a band as soon as this podcast gets over and we could have shit on iTunes in 24 hours. Right, <laughs> exactly. It, it, you know, so, so, so then it, then it really comes down to a matter of, you know, the marketing side of it and, mm-hmm. and how you build it up. Right. Yeah. So, so it's kind of twofold in, in, in the one hand, it, there's no longer the weeding out process and there's this level playing field. Um, but then again, it's kind of cool to where if you're anybody, you can you can kind of put your shit where you too shit is. You know, what I mean, I think that that in some respect, that's kind of cool because then it really comes down to the, the matter of effort that you're willing to put into, you know, right. getting getting it into the, the, the hands of fans. Yeah. But Which goes the, back to that weeding out process again. It's a difference. Now the weeding out process has changed its look as well. You know, right. Because now but then, you, but the, go ahead. the real the real the real negative I feel of it all is that. Now, here we are in 2016, and what we have is the playlist generation. Yeah, and, yeah. and what what you're going to see within the next, you know, next four years up until you know 2020 is is the further extinction of albums and more as we go into the playlist generation. And you just see so much. There's just so much noise. Like there's just so much content and so much noise. It's like you know what I mean? Like, 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 what bands do you listen to? How do you find new bands? What podcasts do you listen to? What right. blogs do you do? Like, but <laughs> yeah. like yeah, in the man. digital, in, in like, in the digital age, it's like, man, like, it, there's not enough time in the day to know everything that you need to know. Like, it's just, it's just impossible. So, so I feel like the, the, the with the advent of technology, sort of the, I guess, you know, not to sound like the old guy that, oh man, I wish it was like back in the old days, but, but just, it's just the reality of the situation that like, there's just now, there's just so much content that if you want anyone to give a shit about what you're doing, you have to, you have to work that much harder. Also, you have to think that much more ahead and you have to niche Mm -hmm. down even further and really concentrate on a specific demographic of people that really need what it is that you're 
you're selling or trying to sell or share or, or you know whatever that is it doesn't even matter if it's music if it's a book or if it's a course or if it's a you know a podcast or an ebook or whatever it's like think about how hard it would be it is to get into the, the hands of those people granted they're a little bit easier to find you know because because they're 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 on social media and you can use a hashtag to find certain people or whatever but like Man, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a, it's, it's going to be a lot tougher for bands and, and for entrepreneurs to break through. Yeah, and I think also you need to go with in mind that you know, you know what it is that you're going to niche down to, but also not have all your eggs in one basket with all this noise going on. You you got to like put yourself amongst various mediums of noise you know not just like okay i'm gonna put this music out here like, okay okay why not go ahead and think about creating a podcast to further support your marketing efforts you know for your project why not go out there and you know i don't know you know get a blog out there as well and then get a youtube channel you know use those various mediums for the the right thing and be focused but when you, you have those have, things you actually have to give a fuck about those and things. that's the most important you, thing <laughs> because a lot of like what ryan holiday said is like oh everyone's doing a podcast now like okay maybe i should do a podcast well i mean if your attitude is oh, maybe i should do a podcast Podcast, then don't do a fucking podcast because you have no passion whatsoever yeah, going into it. Same thing with the blog. Like, like I always say, look, I wrote a hundred articles in the first year when I was in the business. So, so when now the only reason I did that is because I had a lot to say. So other people that heard that message and said, "Wow, writing a ton of articles, content, I can get my business out there, massive action." Nobody did it. Not one fucking person who heard me say that ever did that in my entire career. They'll, they'll write one article and they won't write another one for a year. They'll write two, three. No one even wrote ten. You know, YouTube channel, if you're going to start a YouTube channel, you can't just put up one clip and then you never do it again. Oh, yeah. You you know, it's got to be like every week at least, once exactly. a week. You're Consistency, up a- man, because people are going to yeah, expect exactly. to see you. It's just the same thing about a podcast. Don't put one out, do four, <laughs> four episodes, and then – you haven't put an episode out since 2012. <laughs> you know, right. you know, my thing is, our peers do that. They, <laughs> exactly. they started, they started a show because everyone's doing podcasts like, Oh, Joe Rogan's successful with the podcast. Let's put my, I'm going to put a show out there. And then they do one or two episodes and they have 50 listeners and they get discouraged <laughs> and they realize, okay, this is not for me. Hey, it's like, yeah. Here's my it takes thing. time. If you got 50 so. listeners, you you focus on those 50 listeners. And you give them the best content possible. Yeah, when I was teaching courses, if I had five people there or two people there, I gave them my all. Those two people probably felt like, well, damn. You know, just imagine if there was like 100 <laughs> people in this room. Well, you know where they weren't. You two were here. But guess what? They're going to go back and say, hey, that dude, man, hey, he put his all into it. You got to check out his course. Next thing you know, there's 10, there's 20, there's 30. Oh, and then finally there's that 100 people right there. And then it kind of becomes a bit of a headache. <laughs> it's just like. Man, I like the yeah. I like the better ones, just two of y'all. And you see a lot of that with musicians where they were playing at these stadiums, but these dudes love when they go to these little small venues and do these intimate performances because that's where they started. It's kind of like going back home for them. You well, know, like what Blasco said though, is only only as long as you don't have to do that. Exactly. <laughs> you know? if, exactly. if you're if you're doing that because you have to do it, like you see some of these bands from the eighties that are trying to make a resurgence oh, and they, they were playing stadiums when I was a kid and now they they can't even fill out vinyl at the Hard Rock, which is only a couple hundred capacity, and you're like, man, this is kind of depressing. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. and they're playing that's songs the, from back then too. Hey, so, the, all the people in the audience are 55. I was gonna say most of your fans are dead now, and they've overdosed, <laughs> or they've died from diabetes, or all kinds of other stuff because they didn't take care of their health. It's kind of like, yeah, you need to like think about a new audience now, man. No, but like what Blasco <laughs> said on Jamie's podcast, like with the new band, it's like no one is looking for a more average version of something that already exists. <laughs> right. And that's a good way. That's a good way for trainers to think too. It's like, what the fuck are you bringing to the table that we should give a fuck about? Right. So a lot of trainers are just, they're just a derivative of someone they learned from. It's like, well, I'm just going to go to that person. Why do I need to go to you? 
Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, it's probably one of the worst things ever is like, oh, man, this dude sounds like so-and-so. Oh, man, he's teaching like so-and-so. That's the curse. <laughs> that's a curse right there, man. You know, especially when they consistently yeah, exactly. say when, that. When someone compares you to someone else automatically, it, that's it, a real yeah, bad sign. Or, or they compare you consistently. Now, who, you know, like a couple times, like, okay, he kind of reminds me of someone. That's usually what we do, even with musicians. When they first come out, this, this artist kind of reminds me of blah, 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 blah. Four sure. albums later, you should not still sound like freaking Adele. Okay, I shouldn't be thinking about Adele when I hear you five albums later. Like, why are you still here? We already had her. Why do we need you? What are you bringing to the table? No, it's like, well, so what you said, Blasco, what what are you bringing that's new, different, or fresh? And what a lot of people don't realize is that you may you may be able to take something from an industry that is similar to yours but not too close right. and bring that in, and it's fresh to your audience because they've never heard about it before. right. right. Like when I got into hormone optimization, nobody in the fitness business was talking about it. Nobody was. And I, yeah. I went to all these medical conferences and all these naturopaths and people like that that are, are near the, the planetary system of our world, but not completely in it. And I picked up all this information and I was like, man, people in my industry would love this stuff. This is right. so beneficial to getting stronger and improving physique composition, feeling better, et cetera. So I started talking about it, and then I was able to bring something fresh as a result of that. It wasn't new information. It wasn't stuff that I conceptualized myself and came up with, but I took it and I put my own touch on it so that people in my industry would understand it. So I think I think the key is this, is that you're going you're gonna to bring something new and fresh if you're really excited about what you're doing because you're going to put your own touch on it. You're going to be constantly resourcing things. So what he's saying the, is the don't people bring that gimmicks, are, no Well, gimmicks. the people that are derivative are people that are just looking for a quick buck. They're like, well, I'm just going to be a Charles Poliquin clone, and then if I make 15% of what he makes, I'll be happy with it. Or I'm going to be a Pavel Sotsalin clone, or I'm going to be a sincere clone. They're just looking at, they're just looking to be a derivative of someone who's already out there. Right. But that that's not exciting, and you're not going to sustain any career with that. You're just going to be someone no one remembers or cares about. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was like, like I used this example the other day. I go, hey man, they just remade Point Break. Like, <laughs> yeah, I saw. It. I was like, like "Come on, man!" Fucking, fucking Point Break. Dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. we, like, we bypass Jaws and just. <laughs> like, That's next. I'm no, sure. yeah, please yeah. don't say that because now someone's like, "Oh, hey, we should redo Jaws." Well, now, now, now they're gonna remake Ishtar next. That's just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Blazing Saddles. How, Howard the Duck is coming <laughs> back anytime now. Oh god. Yeah, but I mean, but it's just like, but I mean, but like, I feel like that's like, you know, that's like kind of across the board. It's just yeah. like, man. We're fucking running out of ideas, yeah, exactly. dude. Whenever, whenever you're fucking remaking Point Break. Now, look, I I dug that movie. I oh, thought I love the great. original man. Yeah, but, but but like in a cult campy. Yeah, yeah game. exactly. <laughs> it's not like it's a classic movie like this, a masterpiece of like Untouchables or something along those lines. Right. But I mean, but think about it, right? I mean, like if that's where Hollywood is at, like Hollywood, like fucking, like they have access to. Every writer, every, you know, every studio, like, it, like, it's like, there's, there, whatever it is, whatever the price tag is, they can afford it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. and the and what they can deliver is a remake of Point Break because <laughs> because what what Hollywood is saying is we're out of ideas and and, and they're uh, out of they're out of risks is what the real problem is is that they they rather take a brand that is that already exists and then just do some play on that than conceptualize something from the start. Like I remember when I went to see movies when I was a kid, it was all new brands, right? Like Robocop was a fresh movie. It wasn't a remake of something else. Untouchables yeah. wasn't a remake of something else. Predator wasn't a remake of something else. These were all fresh ideas. And yeah. now, now we live in the age of we don't want to take any risks because it's a bunch of guys in suits and ties in a boardroom 
in Hollywood saying... Who grew saying, up on those I, movies we were talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, hey, exactly. why don't we remake this? Because I love that movie as a kid. Dude, you were yeah. a kid 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Please. <laughs> Let's stop. get Ronda Rousey to play fucking Patrick Swayze. Oh, Swift's come on, character. man. A Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Like, they're making a remake of Roadhouse with Ronda Rousey. Disrespectful. <laughs> so but they're just, they're just making a remake of anything they can think of. Like any movie that was hot back then or not even hot back then or a cult movie like Point Break. Yeah. That, that that's the bottom of the barrel that Hollywood just, has gotten to. Just hold your breath, what, man. The Breakfast well, Club no, is coming out. Breakfast though, Club 2016. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's interesting, though, is that TV is better than ever right now. It's really yeah, fresh. Exactly. Shows well, like yeah. Homeland and The Affair and you know, there's so many good shows, you don't have time to watch any well, of Well, look things. what's happening. All those top-name actors who can't find a good movie, you know, a good script in a movie, like, you know, I'd rather go do TV than remake or rehash this crap. You know, I'd rather do this because now these studios, hell, even Netflix, you know, which is raising the bar on all them and amazon prime it's just like they're really raising the bar on a lot of these other movie studios and all these other distribution channels now these folks are like i'd rather go do that now because wow this is a great freaking script you know and compared to hollywood and everyone else they're just like hey let's just remake this okay yeah, so but- so they're like this is not even worth they rather this is when you know when when like an actor is really an artist man when he's truly into the craft where he's like look i'd rather take a great script over just another big check to be in a big ass movie that's gonna flop you know, just because it's going to have all these big names, but had no substance and no one showed up to it. Now, his career pretty much is almost toast because he's like, oh, man, yeah, you were great back in the day. But well, I mean, if, you're smart, you if you're smart, you do both, right? Like, you don't have to pick one or the other. Like, that, like the guy who plays Captain America, those are the, that's where he makes his bread and butter. But then he'll do a movie like Snowpiercer where he probably got well, paid. Well, that's a different like, story because Captain America is a big, it's a big movie. On, you know, it's not a rehash of something, really. You know, and that thing is, it's but, a but great they're, they're not, they're, they're not great movies, though, right? Like the Avengers and stuff like that. That's not where he as an actor is, is well, probably yeah. getting excited. He's, he as an actor is probably not going, man, this script is so incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, making, he's making a lot of money there. Yeah. But <laughs> Snowpiercer, that's a fucking movie. That's yeah, a real that, movie. That. It's never going to be popular like Captain America because right. people are dumb as fuck and they can't understand an intense movie like that with a compelling storyline. But he as an actor gets to – Go go into different realms and work on his craft doing these independent movies. And I've no- Chris Evans is his name. I've noticed yeah. he's done a lot of independent movies while he's doing these big blockbuster movies as well. Yeah, it's kind of like Idris Elba. You know, you know, people think like, okay, he was in Thor. He's done these other movies and all that <laughs> right, stuff. Right, but right. you know, I saw like you no, know, you know, no, you know, no country for beasts or something like that on um, Netflix. Which yeah. is kind of like in the in the realm of Snowpiercer, you know, right, a, a, right. Beast, a beast with right. no country. Like, damn, when I finished watching that movie, I felt like I felt after Snowpiercer, like, fuck my life, man. But he put in such a great job that you know he got a Golden Globe nomination. But there are gonna be people at the Golden Globes this year that's not even gonna know what the hell that movie is. They're like, wait a minute, I know, <laughs> I know you, aren't they arguing about him being the next James Bond? But like, no, you need to see him being this African warlord, okay? And, that, and he's that's where he shines. But they'll remember him for like you know Mandela, which was a great performance as well because it had more money to market that and the time. Timing was great because the movie came out a month after Mandela died, you know, but they'll never probably never know about this other movie on Netflix that Netflix financed or whatever. But, hey, he does. Well, a, a lot of people are looking to escape lives that they're not very happy with. Right. Oh, yeah. So they, they so they want to go watch the Avengers and Captain America. Everybody, those are fun. Those are, they're not bad movies. They're fun movies. <laughs> and though, everybody right? no, wants to be a superhero. You know, like they right. dreamed of doing that's it. a nice little escape. You go in some other universe and all that. <laughs> now, a movie like Snowpiercer, man, I mean, that's going to make you feel even worse about your life because it's so depressing. You start questioning so, some of the things you're doing with your life, like how you contributing to the some of the storyline. It's like, well, damn, this is not too far away. Maybe so, man, what am I doing? Change things. They're like, I don't want to think about that. No, but I'm wondering, like, in the context of music, Blasco, is it? Would it? There, do you know any examples of people, let's say, that are in in bands where they're making a good amount of money, 
not necessarily playing music that they're super passionate about, but it pays the bills. And then maybe they have some side project, which is more in line with what they really want to do. Well, I mean, I, 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 feel, yeah, I mean, I feel like you're going to see you're out of necessity. You're going to see more of that because, right, right. because, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, which is if you're a rocker, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not. Right. No but but yeah. like in the entrepreneurial world, I mean, we're seeing just the, the, the basic necessity of reality is that all these dudes have multiple streams. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, they're, they, 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 they have a podcast and they have, and, and their podcast is, has advertising on it and, right. they're, yeah. and they're getting, and, and that's one stream of income. And then, but then they're putting out a book and that's another stream of income. And then, you know, and then they're, maybe they're, you know, who knows what else is they're, is they're doing? Yeah, merchandising t-shirts. Yeah. I know his bands now have 10 different t-shirt designs and booty shorts, and, you know, yeah. like jackets and hoodies, like this big yeah. merchandise booth. Right. And, and, and like they're doing like public speaking right. or, right. you know, they're, they're doing conventions or whatever. So it's like in the entrepreneurial world, it's like multiple streams of income is the norm. Yeah. And so I feel like you're going to see more and more of that with artists. Um, you know, not everyone is going to be the Adele success to where she can like put out a record and do one tour and just like chill for five years. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, right. people, people don't have the luxury that, that she does by being a humongous artist. And I, and I feel like, you know, consistently you're going to see more of a pattern of guys that, that are dipping into multiple streams and whether they're, you know, whether it's a signature, you know, signature like instruments or, yeah. or, or, you know, speaking engagements and, 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 you know, obviously you're putting out records, but then there's the merchandising and, but, the, but then it's putting out books and like, you know, like, like Corey from Slipknot. Yeah. You know? I was about to bring him up. Corey Stone Sour. And, I mean, and he's, he's, he's probably a dude that could afford to make a record and chill for five years, right. but, but he's got two bands yeah. and he's, and he's, and he's, and he does solo stuff and yeah. he puts out books. And he does speaking tours and like, you know what I mean? Like he, he's, he's a good example of a, of a, you know, relatively big star that is example of multiple streams of income guy. Under underground guy like John Joseph, he's got his books that are, he's got a really big book deal he just signed and he's, he did well with releasing books on his own. And then he tours with the Cro-Mags. Now he's recording a record in his own band. So that's another example of a guy who's got a really good hustle. Right. And Josta too. I mean, that's yeah. how. Yeah, yeah, that, no doubt. That, no that's doubt. how that's how that's how we connected and absolutely if he, and, and we would have never connected if J, if Justin was just a dude that put out hate breed records you know exactly right and, and and it's like he's got hate breed and then he has kingdom of sorrow and then he has Josta and then he has a podcast and then he was the dude that was on headbangers ball and he's got like his he's got his own he's got his own brand of merchandising that no, he's he, very sharp yeah yeah he started, yeah. He started from such humble beginnings like every hardcore band does and his ascension has been pretty powerful yeah, yeah for sure and, and that's a good example you know you're going to see more you're going to see more jamie's you're going to see more <clears throat> um well, well I, I always said someone like doyle right who's got the first thing you notice about doyle is like wow this guy's jacked he's yeah. a fucking big strong dude and he could easily write a book about his training and fitness regimen and it would yep. fucking sell a lot of a lot of people who are never going to work out who are fans of him would buy it just because they're curious, you know. Yeah. And then they'd be like, "Okay, that's a lot of hard work. I'm not going to do that." <laughs> but at least now I know what he does. Right. I, I always said that like if someone like Doyle had a nutrition supplement line, it, it, he could make it work. I'm not saying it would be like super easy, like he just comes out with it and it sells, but it could work. It could work really well, and that could probably make him more money than anything else he does. You know, if it's positioned right and marketed right and executed right. 
And then, sure. so, so I, I think that's just a random idea I'm throwing out there is that just to, in line with what you're saying is that you're going to have to be creative and think of these different opportunities that bands in the 80s like Great White you know, didn't have to think about. <laughs> they just came out with the record and they're touring in, in stadiums. you know. Yeah. Right. And then now they're all, like I said, and now all those dudes are all bumming because they were like, they thought it was never going to end. And then one day. The, the you know the Seattle rug gets fucking pulled from underneath them and they're and they're and now they're on their ass and they're just like oh fuck and now what you know you know what's interesting about that whole Seattle scene though is it, it didn't seem to last that long right like it, it obliterated the glam metal scene I think no it doubt. died when yeah. Kurt Cobain died yeah it's, it's <laughs> like Pearl Jam kind of fizzled out it's like the, the Alice in Chains are still going pretty strong and Chris Cornell with Soundgarden Chris Cornell kind of just uh, ascended that but whole he kept, world. Yeah, he kept reinventing himself, though. Exactly. Just like, he kind of exactly. like didn't get caught up in it. Where Allison Chains, he's like, you know, you, you replace a few members here and there for their longevity. But I think Chris is probably the one guy that really came unscathed from that era. You know, and Eddie Vedder, you know, same, th- same thing with them as well, Pearl Jam as well. They're, I mean, they're still doing their thing, and they're, they're those guys that can take time off, come back. They're, they're they still doing their, their thing, yeah. but no one, no one wants to hear their new <laughs> no, music. Well. That's they, the thing. Like Alice in Chains, nobody's going to that concert to hear his music oh, off their new record. They no, no, no one does. Everybody's kind of like, you know, they want to hear all the old stuff. It's kind of like when Prince was trying to like protest for a while, like he didn't want to do any old music. And like, no, dude, the only way we're going to come here, you know, it has to be old. We don't want to hear any of that new stuff. You know, so like, you got to dig I mean, away. if Black Sabbath only played music off the latest record, people would have a riot you know, in, in the stadium, man. They want to hear War Pigs and stuff like that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's do like a show without I mean, doing Iron Man. Just try it. Just try it one time. <laughs> Just watch. What yeah, happens. I mean, it's like, look, man. If if you're lucky enough, right? I mean, because if if you got to figure the amount of musicians in the world, and then and and then you compare that to the amount of dudes that actually can pull it together to be in a band with like three or four other guys, yeah, and then if, and then and then if, and and then if you can even fucking pull that together <laughs> to where you can write a song that anyone even gives a shit about, right? right? That, that it is your, in my opinion. Opinion, it is your responsibility to make sure that you cater to those fans, right. and you and you have to get. It's like I did an interview with Lemmy for Bass Player Magazine, and we and and I was like, oh man, like you know, you you got to be like over playing Ace of Spades by now. Like it's <laughs> it's like you like whenever whenever you play Ace of Spades, you're clocking in and clocking out. Right? <laughs> and, 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 and 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 he goes and he goes fuck that. He goes absolutely not. Like he's like that's that's the song the reason why I can do what I do. Yeah, and, yeah. and and uh and and by no, he's like I don't take that shit for granted. And like I mean, the fact that there's still people around that give a fuck about that song, he's like I'm. So appreciative that the people are still showing up and, and they want to hear that song. There's no way it's That's ever so coming out of the set, and there's no way that I'm ever not gonna be, you know, 100. percent That's kind of his gateway it. song, right? Yeah, like exactly. every band has a gateway song. Yes, like, like Hate Breed, Hate Breed came out with "I Will Be Heard," and that's what made them pop. But all of a sudden, it's like, okay, now I want to hear the rest of what they have. But it took that song to be the entrance and Motorhead with Ace of Spades. So many, so many bands have that gateway song that gets you to. You may you may you may have even known who they were before that, but it just didn't hit for some reason. Exactly. Then you heard that song, and then you're like, "Oh, all that other stuff sounds pretty good too." It's like, yeah, yeah. So they're pretty much at the show waiting for that song. You know, I was thinking, <laughs> yeah. you know, we went to see Lenny Kravitz a few months ago. It's like you, you see people kind of like, "Okay, are you gonna go my way? Are you gonna go my way?" They were waiting for that. You know, they <laughs> yeah. they didn't feel like they could go home until they heard that song. And you know, a true artist knows that. He knows he's like, look, this is the song that really made me. Yeah, I put out an album before that. Nobody gave a shit about it. You know, that was a hippie, you know, a hippie album. Actually, two albums before that. But once he came out with that, it's just like, okay, who's this guy? 
Like, this guy's been here for a minute. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, then after that, big fan base. Been growing ever since then. But you can't not do that song, dude. People will probably, no. have, they will probably kill him. Okay? <laughs> you, yeah. know, you didn't do that, man. So, but trust uh, me, 30, 40 years from now, I can guarantee you this. I doubt if anybody, when J- Justin Bieber's doing his Vegas tour 30, 40 years from now, I don't think anybody's going to give a shit if he does Baby, Baby, whatever the fuck that song was. They, <laughs> that, that, that blew him up. I don't think anybody's going to be screaming like, do Baby, whatever, do that. I doubt that seriously. That's the problem with a lot of these manufactured artists that are coming out now. You well, know, the, they, pro- the problem with the glam metal scene, like one of the things that I felt, feel like, one of the reasons that caused it to crash and burn the way it did, it wasn't just the Seattle scene, in my opinion. It was mm-hmm. the fact that they turned on their fans too, meaning that mm-hmm. they didn't stay true to their hardcore fans. They started chasing the charts. <laughs> they started right. chasing a wider audience, and they just said, fuck you, niche audience. Thanks for getting <laughs> us Thanks for getting us to this phase. Now, now it's time. Yeah, now it's time for us to get all the teenage girls and you know the, all, all the people that we didn't care about when we first started to listen to the music, and then so they they lost their hardcore following, and when the Seattle wave came in, they lost whatever their fly by night moment was on the charts, and then the whole thing crumbled. I think the bands that had their that stayed loyal to their hardcore following, they were able to weather many storms, and they're still around now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's and, it, and it's too, man. It was just the t- it was just the time, man. People were just like, "Fuck, man!" Like one more band with like those fruity outfits and the hairspray <laughs> and headbands yeah, and like, lipstick like, and eyeliner. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's just like you know, like so- sometimes like you know, you just need to get knocked in the face with something that's completely opposite, and that's right. just like that's like in business too. You know what I mean? Like if you think about like when Red Bull, you know, like Red Bull came out and it was like it was a small can. You know, I was, <laughs> oh, let me tell you, I worked for them when that when they first started, yeah. and they they promised us like, you know what? Somebody, and people always say like, well, you know, monsters out, and they have like sixteen ounce cans. Why don't you guys do that? Well, eight point three ounces is all you need with Red Bull, blah 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 blah. And and they yeah. always told us in every meeting, you know, we'll never change. We'll always have this eight point three, you know, flu, you know, ounce can, and we'll never get bigger, and we'll never have any flavors other than what we have right here. Well, mm. shit. <laughs> Fast forward 10 years from now, you know, from that time yeah. when I worked for them in the very beginning when they were a grassroots company over here. Now they've got all these different flavors. They got these big, giant, ghetto sized cans. I'm like, how much freaking sugar and caffeine do these people need, man? I mean, come on. You know, but yeah. and what happened to your core values? Like, we'll never challenge. Like, never say never. Don't ever say yeah. that. Because when the money starts flowing in and the customers start demanding it, nine times out of ten, if you're, especially when you're a corporation, you know, and you have shareholders. They're going to look at you like, I don't care what your values were in the very beginning. This is what the customers want, and this is what we need to do. You can ask Whole Foods how they – yeah, I mean, and yeah, they had these core values in the very beginning, but now – Come on, man. It's like, how healthy is Whole Foods? You ever just walked around that place? You know, I mean, to the point where you got overweight people eating Whole Foods pizzas. You know, that's well, what they go to like, It's like any grocery store. Though. Yeah, you, stay exactly. in the, you stay in the periphery. That's where yeah. the healthy food is. Everything in the middle, not so much. You know, that's exactly. processed food like any grocery store is. But, hey, I'm eating yeah. a pizza at Whole Foods. It has to be healthy, right? It's a Whole Foods yeah. pizza. You know? I mean, you know, if, if people are so dumb to think that anything at Whole Foods is healthy, then they deserve to be fat and unhealthy. You know, I'm so tired of people that don't want to take responsibility for stuff. It's like, well, you know, Whole Foods is misleading me. It's like they're not misleading anybody, man. You can look at the fucking label on the back of the box. Anything hey, you buy, there's a label on it. Hey, man, the Whole Foods yeah. police did not show up at your house and say, hey, yeah. go to our store now and buy our stuff. Come on, that's misleading you. Right like, no, but, but people people have this victim mentality that yeah. somehow it's society's fault for all their ills. It's like you're a fat fuck because you unhealthy food and you did it for a long time yeah. you could you could have read any book on nutrition and it would have worked any book and you just sure. follow that it would, it would have been better than what you did and everything you bought had a label on the back of it you know exactly what's in it you know how much sugar it has you know much how much you know how much sodium it has you know what the, all the processed crap is 
So we kind of have this uh, this well, learned have, helplessness. Yeah. We have the, like there's no excuse when all this information is out there now. Yeah, absolutely. So trust me, like put it like this: if you stub your freaking toe and it's throbbing, you'll go to Google like how to make my toe stop throbbing when I hit the toe on the corner of the freaking of the, no, of the coffee like, table. So if now someone's going to tell me that their big problem is they go to Whole Foods and they and they're buying too much food. It's like, okay, well, let's go to Rwanda and tell say, people okay, there about that problem. problem right <laughs> yeah. That was a Western let's problem. Go, right let's go there. tell people hey, who haven't man. eaten for a week about your problem of eating too much. I got to stop shopping at Whole Check. I'm like, you know, I'll do my Whole Check <laughs> yeah. there. I'm like, that sounds like a choice. Okay, so I don't want to yeah, get my choice. Again, it's only expensive if you're buying all the crap in the middle. If, you, if you're <laughs> buying fruits and vegetables and things like that, you're not going to have a $300 bill. Yeah, it's all that processed crap in the middle. And on That's the flip side of that, even getting back to what we're talking about now, even the music industry, like trust me, there are a lot of people like, man, there are really no good bands out there anymore. Like, are, are you yeah, actually there's, really, there's, there's are more you good looking, music than ever? Trust me, are you looking for good bands? Are you even? I'm like, dude, I'm constantly discovering new groups. I'm like, damn, man, and, and I want to share it because I'm like, damn, some more people need to hear about this guy or hear this girl or hear this group, yeah. you know. But most time, what happens is people hear like, oh, I don't want them to go mainstream, so I don't want to let anybody know about them, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know. Then, I mean, that's sucks you're not helping them by doing it well if they become too popular they start making sucky music like well there's that crystal ball again that we were talking about like how do you know that man come on yeah <laughs> i remember i knew a guy who grabbed there was a stack of flyers for a chrome x concert at tower records and he went there and grabbed the whole thing i'm like what are you doing you're gonna distribute those he's like no i just don't want people to know about it because you know i don't want it to be too crowded at the gig i was like yeah, i was like oh that's great man. great this will be their last show it takes a lot yeah. you know? no that's so true but i think i think with just going back a little bit, an example of a band who didn't, who went in the opposite direction of a lot of other bands during that whole glam metal scene. All the glam metal scene just kept on coming out with more ballads and acoustic numbers because they're trying to cater to broads. While Skid Row, their second album was hard as fuck. You know, it was yeah. way harder than their first records. They, they decided we're going to go in the opposite direction. I mean, it, it was bordering on Pantera level heavy metal, especially some of the, the right. first two songs on that record. So they decided to go in the opposite direction. And I, th I think the mistake a lot of people make, not just in the music industry, but let's say in the fitness industry, is it's it's very monkey see, monkey do, whatever the herd's doing. It's like, oh, kettlebells are hot now? Let me jump in. It's too yeah. late. You needed to jump in before everyone realized they were hot. <laughs> you know, When I jumped in, it was me and four people in a park. You know, Now, now when something becomes so ubiquitous, it's not really an opportunity anymore. Well, the yeah, flip side yeah. in the music industry, though, the problem is, unlike the kettlebells, like again, that's a choice that you that you pretty much make. There's no one dictating that you have to start making kettlebell DVDs right now. There's no corporate oh. company that you signed with that says you have to do it because now you have with, with the music industry. These guys, they come in. The A and R may see them perform live, and they're like, "Oh, this is a really good band. Hey, I can get you guys a deal. I like what you guys are doing." Then they they give them the promise, like, "Yeah, you're gonna keep doing what you're doing." Then they get in, and the label's like, "Hey, you know what? The industry's kind of going in this direction. Maybe you guys need to do this type of record." And now these, you know, there there so many are still having that old way of thinking that I have to stay with this record label and do what they say. I can't do this on my own, you know. Which kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with the fitness industry that people feel like they can't do stuff on their own. They have to kind of go with the herd, but. They feel like these, these artists feel like, OK, I got to do what the label says because, hey, man, otherwise I won't be successful. Well, you're not successful now, <laughs> you know, because obviously they're telling you what to do. If you were successful, <laughs> yeah. you could tell them, you know, go fuck yourself. Tell my, my fans like this. They're the ones that are showing up and it's working. OK, I don't give a damn how many millions of albums that Taylor Swift is making. I'm not about to do some poppy crap like that. You know, so that's what. Well, that, well that's what Blasco, that's what you said, Blasco and Jamie's podcast is like the more value you bring, the more leverage you have. Exactly. You know, the, the better, the better the opportunities, the better the the negotiating right and and i mean and that and that i mean that should really be just a rule of thumb in life man yeah, i mean yeah. 
Yeah. Y- you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it seems obvious, but now, you know, not now with the, the, the state of the business, it's like, man, like you, like whatever you do, it's like, if, if, if it's not of value to anyone, then you need to work until it is right. right, right like, right. like you were saying, it's like, you know, the people that are looking for that shortcut, you know, and, 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 you know, you probably see that. I mean, God, in fitness, you must fucking really see that, you know, yeah. like, the, like the shortcut people like, oh, well, I mean, like, you know, fucking how hard could it be? Right. Like, I, like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, I, I, like, I want to look like that guy. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's not that hard, you know, whereas like, like, I want to be a rock star. I'm sure it's not that hard. Like, <laughs> like, like you, you guys are holding this key, like to, to like unlock that, that someone's like, someone just thinks that you have, right. Like me, like I've got, I have like this key to success, right? Like, like, oh, yeah. hey man, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that you'll get me to the next level, whether it's in music <laughs> or fitness or whatever. And it's just like, well, a lot of that's kind of on you, bro. You know, like. <laughs> no, well, one of my favorite movies is this independent movie called Diamond Man. And this guy's a diamond salesman going from town to town. And he's training this young guy because they want to push him out of the company, the, the, the main actor, because he's getting too old for the job, in their opinion. So anyway, the younger guy's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go around with you and visit all the customers because they're going to give me your customers. They're like, no, nah, they, it's like, they can't give me your customers. Just like you can't give me your girlfriends. <laughs> These are people I developed real relationship with. They buy this stuff because they like me. So they're not going to just – I can't just hand them to you and it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. But a lot of people think that. A lot of people think that you can just hand them success. Like, right. well, if I just go assist Mike at his workshops, all of his people are going to one come see me. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. You have, to, you have to build your own brand. Like You have exactly. to have your own compelling reason why they want to come see you. You can't just be a carbon copy of me or a guy who's a friend of mine or someone who knows me. Right. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that if I buy the neoprene thing that wraps around my, that's not going to give me six pack? <laughs> well, you know, I always tell people like, oh, look, man, it's going to take three to five years to reach this goal you have. And that's always like really discouraging to someone. I go, what the fuck is three years, man? Three years is nothing. Oh, no, man, I don't have that kind you know, of time. So what, what if I told someone three to five years to build a really successful business that is going to pay you dividends for the rest of your life? But it's going to be a fucking hard three to five years. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be three to five years of you putting in a part-time effort, kicking back on the weekends. No, we're talking like seven days a week you're working for this first couple of years. And then you know, for year four, you get to take a few days off. But this is stuff you actually want to do. You know, this is yeah. a, this should, this should be, that shouldn't be discouraging to you if this is actually something you want to do. Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, you got it. It's like, you know, it's like you, I, I think you were you're saying something about it in the book, you know, where it's just like, man, like you got to like you got to invest. Like it's like if you've got like a, if you've got an addictive personality and you don't want to eat junk food anymore, then put that addictive personality into like being more into fitness or whatever. Right. It's like right. it's like, you know what I mean? Like transfer the, the appetite for the fucking shit into something better. But like the appetite's still there, but just mentally move it over into something else that's going to be more yeah, beneficial. Yeah, it could be helping kids and animals. Yeah. It could be doing nonprofit work. I mean, there's so many. You, you, addictive personality is not a bad thing. You just have to shift it into the right domain. Right. Uh, like, dude, for, like, I get it, dude. A fucking a, a taco, a, a Taco Bell fucking burrito supreme tastes good, dude. I get it. I fucking I know, <laughs> I, I know it does. 
you know, but like, is it, is it the right decision for me to do? No, well, not what's, what's interesting is if you eat clean long enough and then you decide, ah, fuck it, I'm going to go have a Cinnabon. You're going to feel like <laughs> shit, shit hurts, within and you minutes, start questioning yeah. yourself. You're like, yeah. how did I used to eat like six of these damn things in one sitting? Like, and not feel bad. You know, exactly. you know what's scary <laughs> is when someone eats that stuff and they feel okay. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm okay. I can go function with my day. <laughs> like, I eat something like that. I'll be in a coma for the rest of the day. Like, yeah. like these big Red Bull drinks you were talking about. Yeah, man. Scary. It's like, you know, what's crazy is what. Someone drinks an entire can of that and doesn't feel a thing. Then come on, I need another one. I mean, we see it all the time. We just, I won't be able to sleep out. for a week if they, I have one. And they're like, "Hey man, can I get four of those?" I'm like, "Oh, for <laughs> what? For the rest of the week?" Like, "No, I need that to get through the rest of the day." I was like, "No, you don't need Red Bull, dude. <laughs> you need a nap." Okay. And like those, and like those big, the big, the big monster the cans. Monster, you know, like, yeah, man. Like the, it says like. You know, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to have more than three of these in a day. Three? Three? Who's, who's getting through What's one? That? <laughs> like, uh, like a week's worth of sugar exactly. and a month's worth of caffeine in it. Hey, like, no, but going back to the hard work, I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger in an interview said that when he was training for the Olympias, he, he wasn't like a lot of his peers who were like, oh, God, I got to do another one of these workouts. He said every rep he loved doing, every hard rep of the squat he couldn't wait to do because it was getting him closer to the goal he had in mind. I was like, that's the fucking winning attitude right there. They're not to the point where it's like, oh, I'm just going to suck it up and do this workout. No, no, no. You're gonna, you should wake up like it's Christmas. Like You can't wait to get into the gym and do that workout. That's when you have a winning mindset. Well, there's the thing. He had a I goal mean, in mind, though. He had a goal in mind. That makes it a lot more enjoyable. When you're just winging it and just doing it just for the sake of doing it, it's going to suck. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, I mean, you're not even going to, you're not going to be doing it for very long either, man, you know, because when you don't have a clear goal in mind and, and a timeline on when you want to achieve it, it's easy to be like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to skip today's workout. It's like, ah, I don't need to write an article today. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm, I know you guys totally resonate with this, but it, I mean, it's like, look, man, it just comes down to the effort, right? And like one of the, like the, you, you know, one of the, the, the actual aspects of success is effort, right? And you got to put in the effort, but like, the effort, to me, anyway, when you say, whenever I say effort, the effort isn't benching 300 pounds. That's not like even the effort of like, oh, I'm struggling to fucking get, like, that's not, the, <laughs> like, the, like the, the, the effort, the effort is actually getting in your fucking car and going to the gym or, oh, absolutely. Gym, oh, hell or, go, yes. or, or, or going to the garage or fucking, I mean, that's, that's the mental real effort of actually no just like doing it. And, and, and I, and I think of it too, like maybe it does come down to like a planning slash goals, kind of like what you're saying. Cause mm-hmm. I, I know for me recently, like, like, like I was reading something that's, you know, it's cause I always like obsess about these, like, you know, habits of successful people. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and I was, and I was obsessed about it because I feel like they're, because a lot of times, like, if there, there's no real education without application. And, yeah. and, and the cool things yeah. about, like, you know, habits of successful people is those are easily applicable, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like, it's not like they're not doing something that a normal person can't do, right? I mean, they're just, Very they're just true. human beings and, and it breaks it down into real simple, simple, uh, tasks that you can do. And, and so recently I was reading one and it says, like, you cannot start your day off by opening your laptop and just grinding. Like, you cannot. Mm. You cannot do that. And I go, uh, what do you mean you can't do that? That's, that's, that's what I do every day. Why, why, can't, why can't I, why can't I do that or whatever? And, it, and, and it's like, and it, but it goes into that, like all successful people, they plan out tomorrow at the end of today. 
right? And then, and then when I started doing that, holy fuck, dude, my life changed. Like whenever I, whenever I started to plan, like I literally, like I, like you know, I've got like I went analog, dude. I fucking like because I like I would do everything like on my planner and like in my calendar and stuff. And I went full analog, and I went to the Target and bought uh, like a huge notebook and a, pad and pencil, baby, <laughs> and, and, and a twelve pack of a twelve pack of ballpoint pens, and I went yeah. straight analog. And, and I started crafting up my days, you know, like, you know, 545, you know, wake up, you know, six o'clock, feed the cats, like, you know, fucking like down to the whole thing. But more importantly, you know, I, at, at this time of the day, I'm focusing on emails and that's all I'm doing on this time of the day. I'm focusing on project management, which means that I'm not dealing with emails as they come in. I literally shut my email off and I spend two hours a day focusing on future projects and, and breaking down the, the action plans of that. And then, and then after that, then I, you know, I, then I dig into like the emails that I've been sitting on for a while, like my flagged emails and stuff. But whenever I noticed that whenever I started to plan out and I even put in workout, right? Because I wasn't working out because I was like, Oh fuck. I just like, I, I want to, but I just don't have the time to do it. I know it's important, but I, I just, I, I can't factor it into my day. But yeah. whenever I, but whenever I started to plan tomorrow today whenever i started to do that i go at four o'clock i'm working out right and then but but i i gotta i gotta ease into it so i found this thing I, which you guys probably know more about than i do but i found the uh i found the seven minute workout and that's been a huge game changer for me because i was like you know because a lot of times it's like the, the effort of like oh well what am i gonna do and i really don't like lifting weights because like i'm like a I'm like a smaller frame guy. When I lift weights, I get wider and I look like an idiot, you know? And, 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 and so, 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 so like, so, 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 you know what I mean? So to me, to me, it's, it's more like, it's more cardio. And I know, I know my, I know my favorite cardio is going to like boxing classes or whatever. Not where, not, not where I'm sparring, but I feel like if I'm going to burn a thousand calories, I am going to torture myself if I have to bring my iPad and watch it on a treadmill or whatever. And to, for me to get to a thousand burning a thousand calories on that fucking no way is that happening. And, and, <laughs> and but, but if, if, but if I take a class to where I'm getting pushed, cause I realize like I'm never going to push myself as hard as someone else is going to push me sure, or, sure. or whenever you're in a classroom of people and not only are you taking direction and instruction, but you're competing with everyone else around you and you're looking yeah. at, and you're going, Oh, Dude, that girl is hitting the bag harder than I am. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I have a personal problem with that. You know? and, 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 and so, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna push myself harder to want to do that. And then, and then, and then before you know it, you're like, holy fuck, that, that was an easy thousand calories I just whipped off, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, but, but my point is by, by scheduling my day, I was able to put in the things that were important to me and I realized how much more I got done. Rather than just op cracking open the laptop and just digging into emails and then that totally devouring my day. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. And, and what's interesting about it is I'm getting the same amount of work done, right? Like I, I'm, I'm still, it's not like, it's not like I'm leaving anything behind. It's not like I'm like, Oh, well, fuck this guy. I'm just not going to answer his emails anymore. Like I'm, I'm getting more done by scheduling how I'm getting things done. And then, and then, like I said, like I was able to kind of ease into like a, you know, I'm just going to keep it real. And I'm going to, I'm going to do the seven minute workout. And, and then whenever I feel good, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it twice or I'm going to do it three times. And then I'm going to put on the fucking kicks and I'm going to go out. I'm going to run around the neighborhood and I'm going to run up dirt mall hauling because it's out my back door or whatever. And I'm, and I'm just going to keep it real because you know what? That works that currently right now that works for me. But I feel like no matter what, even if it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, it's better than nothing. 
And if, and if that's the effort that I can apply to my day, then, you know, I don't need to be on a regiment, dude. I don't, I don't need to have a back and buys day. I don't, I, 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 I'm not, I, I'm not that, I don't need that in my life. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can get by on some real, you know, oh, that all makes on, sense. On, I mean, on, sometimes also it's a lot of times working out for someone is daunting because they'll look at it as I need to work out for an hour. Mm-hmm. Where if you just have a backup program, which is maybe a 15 minute workout, what you'll find often is you're ready to do more at the end of that 15 minutes. Yeah. But psychologically, it was easier to, to digest going into it saying, okay, I'm just going to do 15 minutes. Yep. And then maybe that's all you're going to do that day. And that's like you said, that's better than nothing. Most of the time, someone's going to say, okay, I've got more. I've got more in the tank. Yeah. And, 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 and that's been the beauty. I mean, going back to technology for me in terms of fitness. That's been the beauty for me. Like, dude, running with zombies or whatever that running app is, how fucking genius is that? That's so awesome. You know, but, but like, but like, but having that coach in your earbuds, you know, of, of like whatever, whatever trainer it is or whatever app, like if it's like a, a push up app or, you know, like the, yeah. the, 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 you know, like the, the, the hundred push up app or whatever it is. I mean, there's a bunch of them, but having that, having that dude in your earbud, if you cannot get to the gym or you cannot, or you cannot afford to hire a trainer, right. you know, yeah. you know, d- d- dumping four ninety nine into a, a fitness app that, 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 um, you know, coaches you through, you know, like things that you can do at home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dude, my, I know two guys that have totally transformed their life from like one of those like DVD, uh, home training courses or whatever. Sure. And like, fucking ripped you know but but like it but it comes down to like i said it comes down to the effort of of what works best for you to where you know that you can do that and you can commit to it you know like like i bet i you know i bet you you know run into a lot of people that just it's just the the commitment that is the scary part where it's just like man like ease into it you know like don't freak out like you, that's you, right you, even you, even when nutrition is the yeah, same exactly, thing you just yeah. ease into it. you may start off with Everything is the same. Everything is the same except you add a green drink first thing in the morning, and yeah. then you add a salad before your lunch. Right? That may, that might be the two things you do for a month, and then from there you gradually start shifting into other realms. A lot of times people feel like they have to overhaul whatever they're doing and replace it with something else, and sometimes that's useful depending on the situation someone's in. But often it's better to keep things the same and then just add stuff, and then you'll automatically start detracting things that you want out over time it just yeah. depends on the personality like my personality i i obliterate shit and fucking call in an airstrike you know that's yeah. just my personality right <laughs> like i don't i don't do this gradual stuff like oh, i'm just yeah. gonna gradually face weaning, you know, weaning like, off or whatever that's me like, though yeah. and so i'm not saying that's right or wrong and like everyone should be the same way i understand a lot of other people it's, it's going to be very daunting and, and if you tell them to obliterate what they're doing they're not going to do it are they going to get really depressed about it? They're going to be like, man, this sucks. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, there's a lot of comfort with what they were doing, their previous routine, whether it was healthy or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So fuck yeah, man. You know, you just, it's the effort. You just got to like, you want, I mean, I suppose if anything, it's, it's a matter of wanting to do the right thing for yourself, you know? Well, that's what it really comes down to, right? Whether you want to do it or not. And yep. the, the, the truth always comes out like Matt Brown, UFC fighter, has been on the show a few times. He says lo- over time, the truth will come out. So if someone says, I want to lose 30 pounds and then three years later, they haven't. Well, guess what? <laughs> they didn't want they didn't want to do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? 
they, they, would, they would have done it by then. You know, <laughs> three years is a good amount of time. You could have just yeah. lost ten a year, ten a one, year, <laughs> one pound a month for three years. You would have had it, but you didn't yeah. do it because you didn't want to. You know, and that sometimes you have to accept those realities. So that's yeah. the thing. It's just like children, like babies. Like when a baby wants something, you can't tell it no. It's going to try to find a way to make it happen. So sometimes people need to stop whining like children and start acting like children. Because if you really want that, nothing should stop you. Nothing. Yep. If it's that important to you. I think it just comes down to accepting realities, though. Like right now, we're on the precipice of New Year's resolution time, and we all know what that means. Every gym in the country is going to be busy for three days, you know? And then it's going to go back to the way it was. It's going to be 30 30 days of lying, 30 days that you lie to yourself about your goals, and 30 days that the gym lied to you about the goals that you're going to achieve by signing up with them, and 30 days of them lying to you about this is how much it's going to cost you right now to be a member. And hey, we got all this stuff for you, but and we know you're going to come here and use it every day. And it's just lies, yeah. lies, and more. Well, so most lies gym, most gyms, if they're being honest, they're they're hopefully, being, they don't want you there. <laughs> well, they don't want you to use the equipment because no. that's wear and tear, and that cost that, that's exactly. costly. Like someone like me going to the gym, they're like, oh, man, this guy's fucking hey, deadlifting heavy weights and, and ruining our floor, <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you know, putting, you putting chalk everywhere. Like, you don't want to get on a treadmill guy? Come on, cardio. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's much easier to calibrate that stuff than try to pick no, the, the, the aisle gym <laughs> member is the guy who signs up and never he comes never back. shows up, yep. <laughs> yeah, like a thousand people on the roster who pay every month but never come in or they come in once a year. It's like the ideal yeah. membership, you know, online, you know, all these guys that, you know, in the fitness world are coming up with these memberships, you know, for all their products or whatever else. And, you know, you got a monthly membership and they just hope that you never log in because, you again, if you have a problem, you're probably going to email them like, hey, man, this thing is, it hasn't been updated in like, I don't know. Uh, two months. Well, you weren't supposed to notice that. Why are you? Why are you logging in? <laughs> Come on, you just need to pay me that nineteen ninety nine a month and keep keep it moving, pal. It's like well, the, you... <laughs> the key with that is to keep the price so low that it's not worth the exactly hassle like, to call yeah. up and cancel. So you make it five bucks a month, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you get a thousand. You get. 10,000 people paying five bucks a but month. It's a really nice anything. income for you. But the monthly price is so low that you're like, eh, maybe I'll look at it next month. Can you imagine right? if we did that with our show, like with our Patreon subscribers, just like, you know, eh, we stopped doing shows after this. And it's like a year later, like, wait a minute. To my, yeah, I, I know, I know I like, you know, haven't heard a few episodes. I didn't have time to like log in or whatever else and listen to some episodes. But last time I checked, you guys did an episode like, what, eight months ago? What the hell? And, I, and I've been still signing. Hey, man, hey. Five dollars a month, man. Really? Is it that serious? You can't just. Well, well, what's sad is a lot of the pay-per-view sites and pay-per-view content yeah. is not as good as most of the free stuff that's out there. Exactly. That's the sad. Reality. That's why that stuff is dead in the water. It's going to go the way the music industry industry is going. Trying to sell information. Those days are over, man. It's, unless unless you're someone who is at the top of the game, like uh, Charles Poliquin in our industry is the top strength coach, right? That guy can do whatever he wants. It's going to work. You know, he wants to charge thirty bucks a month for it. A content website, people are going to pay it. But the the, the key is, is that he's going to deliver. You know, that's why he can do it. Yeah, that's why be, he's it's at the be consistent. You know, he's just not going to you know drop off. I mean, if you, if you look at his website right now, Strength Sensei, it's 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 ridiculous the amount of free information he gives away. Right. You know, it's it's incredible, man. It's incredible. He should be charging for that. So for him to decide, hey, I'm going to make a pay per view website, which is even more detailed. That's I, I I would be happy to pay that, frankly, because one, I like the guy and two, the information's incredible. But it, it has to be that kind of value. Right. You know, you if you if you're not bringing ridiculous value, then forget it. People are gonna just, just gonna go to YouTube 
that's where they already are. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's where they are anyway, even if you do <laughs> yeah. break value. You, know? so yeah. you have to have something else. Like for me, I, I transitioned from being a kettlebell instructor to designing nutrition supplements, which are, are not – you know, they may be free someday with 3D printers and all that, but, <laughs> yeah. not, but not anytime soon. Right. You know? right. I think you're safe for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm safe for a long time. But you make yeah, really yeah. good products that, that work. People are going to keep buying it, and it's not something where like, – I read this book a long time ago called Free, you know, way before all this stuff started happening and this guy predicted that look you know as technology evolves it's going to be so cheap to distribute information that you're not going to be able to charge it for it anymore and he like a lot of the people who aren't nostradamus this guy's crystal ball was pretty accurate you know because that's pretty much what's happening right now and i read that book and i was like you know what i bet this guy's right so i'm going to start thinking about that because at that time i was knee deep into making information products dvds ebooks you name it Right. And that stuff is – I haven't made any new stuff in a long time because I transitioned into what I'm doing now. But if, if I were in that – if that world were my primary source of income, I would be in trouble. <laughs> it's just yeah. like – I mean it's just like the music industry. You know, it's just like – Exactly. And, and Metallica, you failed, you know, 15 years ago when you were trying to fight it. You just – it should have just rode the wave, man. You should have just rode the wave. You should have just been like, you know, Pearl Jam and all those guys. You're like, you know what? This is a beast that we cannot conquer. So this right. is, you can't beat them, join them, but be smart about how you join them. You know, what are you going to bring to the table? You're like, okay, we'll release our whole album for free. But, you know, here's the thing. Got a tour coming up, blah, 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 blah. And if you buy the album, you'll get a discount on your ticket to the tour. Oh, okay. Well, shit, I'll go ahead and buy it then. You know, if I can save like 20% off these highest ticket master prices, I'll take that. You know, so you got to kind of, you know, really, instead of just bowing down or just being just so... I don't know, man, where you just don't want to give in and then you both lose out on both ends of that spectrum. You got to figure out and get a, get a step ahead of the game with that, man. And so, Correct. so yeah, I think some bands also, because they're so cool and they're so respectful to their fans, like you feel guilty if you do that. It's like you want <laughs> right. to support them. It's like, no, I got to go buy this guy's album, man, exactly. because that guy, that guy gave me a stop and chat for 20 minutes after <laughs> the show last time. I was like, I can't just go to BitTorrent and, and pirate this guy's <laughs> album. That's just not cool. Or I'm going to go buy a t-shirt or I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I go to the show every time he's in town, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a Spotify user probably. Yeah. Probably mainly just because it's it's the most practical for you know for my life or whatever. Yeah, it my iPod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's there. It's all on my phone. It's streaming. I can, you know what I mean? Like I can. It's like it's just easy access. Something comes out. There it is. I can playlist. Uh, you know, yeah. it just you know practically speaking. However, yeah. if there's something that like you know if there's someone that I really want to support and there's something that I'm fucking way down with, of course I'm going to the gig. Of course yep. I'm buying the shirt, you know what I mean? And then, and then maybe I'm buying like, you know, maybe I'm buying the album, you know, if, if necessary, but like, you know, just like I said for practicality's sake, Spotify is the way that I, I consume music now just because that's what works yeah, best with my lifestyle. Yeah. I'm the same. And in fact, in fact, if it weren't for Spotify for some of these artists, I wouldn't even know they were on tour. I'm like, "Oh, crap. They're going to be in Houston next week." You know, just cuz I happen to you know, subscribe to their playlist or whatever else on Spotify. And then I go sure. check them and I go check them out. I'm like, "Well, damn." They were just as good in person as they were, you know, from the music that I was listening to and I was streaming. So and then yeah. guess what I'm going to do after that? I'm going to actually I'm going to share it. I'm going to let everybody know and, and go from there. And then hopefully somebody else, you know, will appreciate them. And that's how it grows right there, because that's that's where you really get your longevity right there. When, again, raving fans and we talk about that as far as the fitness industry and just being an entrepreneur in general. That came from basically that music industry. When you're a raving fan, you want the world to when you're a real fan, you want the world to know about them. 
You're not trying to hoard it and keep it all to yourself. You know, you no. want you want them to be successful. You want you like, dude, you're missing out if you're not listening to these guys. So right. you got to check this out. And that's the way you do it right there, man. And that's why you take care of those fans. You know, don't go crap. Well, them. I mean, like you said, Blasco, on Jamie's podcast, I mean, you have to have fans to be successful in advance. <laughs> oh. Same thing with trainers. You have to have fans. You can't just rely on your friends and your family to support oh, whatever gosh. you're doing. That's not that's not enough. <laughs> and, and in the fitness, a lot of times, like uh, I knew, I remember I knew a guy when I was coming up in the kettlebell world. And this guy got certified by Paul Vol. We all did at that time. And this guy put together his website, and his whole his whole mission statement was, my goal is to proliferate Paul Volsatzelin's teachings. I'm like, okay, that's great, motherfucker. So why am I coming to you for that? I'm going to go take Pavel's course. It's like yeah. you're just a clone of him. It's like what do you got to say that's unique? Exactly. You know, because I went and learned from him, and then I put my own personal touch on it. So I became, hey, I've got the aggressive strength system. You want to learn that? You come to me. Yeah. I'm inspired right. by him, but I've got my own thing. I've got my own message. You know, that's how that's how you sustain a career, and then you have and then you have to have you actually have to have fans for that, and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna learn that real fast if if you write an article and nobody cares, okay maybe it was maybe the article sucked all right so then but after once you if you've written a hundred articles and people still don't care, then you know you're doing something wrong. You have to figure <laughs> out why don't I have any fans? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Like what what's what's going on? Yeah, you gotta you gotta really like analyze the situation and yeah, because you know, man, no 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 fans, no business. You know, I mean, right, that's right. No no consumers, no fucking business, dude. And you, no and you want the right kind of fans. Like we know a lot of women in the fitness industry who just post pictures of their butt breasts on Facebook. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's like okay, you have a twat, that's great. But there's there's a billion other women who do. You know, yeah. It's like no one's gonna take you seriously <gasps> as a fitness professional. It's like yeah, now you have a a lot of guys are going to try to chat you on the Facebook but instant message function. You yeah. know, these these guys aren't coming to you for your content because of the way you've presented yourself. And oh. then and then you have women who are very professional who you know they look good, they're very attractive, but they're very professional and their content's incredible. So yeah, people may initially say, "Oh, who's this hot girl?" But then they look at the information, they're going, "Oh, wow, this is some great stuff." I mean, look, it, it comes down to simply, man, like, do you want people's respect or do you just want people's attention? Yeah, exactly. You know? That's a great way to say it. That's a great way to say it. And for some people, unfortunately, well, I mean, it's, it's not unfortunate or fortunate. It's just the reality. They just want the attention. That's the payoff. Yep. yep. That's, that's, you know, to them, that's what works, you know, whatever. Not me, dude. I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the dude trying to earn people's respect. I don't, I don't. I don't go into. I'm not the attention dude in the room, you know. Like, hey, fucking look at me. Like, I'm not that guy. You're not. You're <laughs> not walking around, you know, disappointed that people aren't running up to you for autographs, <laughs> you know, oh, selfies and stuff like that. <laughs> oh no, no, I mean that's great whenever people do, you know. Yeah, uh, it's a nice compliment, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but every I, once in a while, but it's, it's certainly not something I look for. Like, oh not, man, I can't believe no one recognized me in Mandalay Bay <laughs> when I walked through today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not advertising that, and hopefully the people that do, you know, do come up to me to do that. They respect me for what I've done and what I've contributed, you know, and right. that's and that's why they want it. But it's not because I'm advertising that I need someone's attention, you know. Yeah, we we've become this really narcissistic culture now, where people are just desperate. Like, uh, like uh, Instagram is like, okay, so Twitter's not enough now. This is for people who just want to post pictures. <laughs> yeah, know? it's like yeah. the next level. What's next? You know, people are going to post like a home video pornos. You know, well, that's I mean, already that's already been done. You're about twenty years <laughs> late on that one, man. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, like everyday people in a yeah. mainstream media, where it's like, hey, come check out my. Uh, here's my me se- having sex with my boyfriend. My or here's me tape, naked sex coming tape out of the <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like because the, like right now, what's considered normal, like these very provocative selfies, 
you know, that would have been really risque like 20 years ago. It would have been like, whoa, what's going on here? And then we're like, oh, so, so, I, I so I got a butt out again. Uh, yeah, yeah, so exactly. People, so I can't scrolling. even imagine what's 20 years from now. <laughs> keep scrolling. He's like, oh, now, now she's showing her ovaries. And that's what I'm talking about. Now I can actually see the inside of her vagina. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way you're going to top what's going on now. You got to start showing like, hey, this right. is the, here's the source, people. Okay, come on. Oh, no, but uh, we'll end with this, Bibbs. Yeah. I know we've had you on for a long time, and I appreciate it, man. It's great talking to you. No but uh, it just the, the 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 effort and the willing to put in the work and finding out whether you're really serious. It reminds me of what my one of my peer one of our peers, Mark Phillippe, does. He's the top strength coach here in Vegas, where he's a very generous guy too, and he gets young men, teenagers coming in there all the time, saying, "Man, you know, if I could just get trained by you, it would really help me get a scholarship. It would help me get picked up for different colleges." So what Mark will say is like, "Okay, look, I'll train you, but you're going to have to mop the floors." Before you leave, clean all the bathrooms, uh, clean up the parking lot, you know, help out at the gym. And yeah. like 90% of people are like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, and that's his way to determine who's really serious, who's real, who really wants it, who really wants the information, who really wants to get those scholarships, who wants to get trained by him and who doesn't. Because the few people who are willing to do all that, guess what? They're worth his time in yep. his mindset. He goes, these are guys where it's going to be gratifying for me. Because they're willing to put in work and they probably are going to go on. And he said that many people years later have come back and thanked him for that. They go, it really helped me build character. It really helped me appreciate everything you did for me. Rather than someone just coming in and saying, hey, man, can you train me? And offering nothing in return. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a question that I get. That's a pretty common, like, interview manager question of, like, what what is it that you look for in an artist? And much like – your guy in Vegas, my, my, my response would be the same. Um, but I, I, uh, I phrase it as this, like, I look for lifers, man. Like, you know, and like, like your, like your guy does, he's looking for fucking lifers, like dudes that are, are, are so willing to commit to the project, you know, so willing, like, like no backup plan, you know, like, I, like, I don't like, I, like I went into music like early on, but like, Believe me, like I have no backup plan. You know what I mean? Like I, like I got, like I am a fucking rock and roll lifer. No, like just out, out of the gate. Like I have no, I have no option. Right. Yeah. So it's like, <clears throat> and I love seeing that attitude just like your guy does. It's just like, you know, it's like, man, like you have to be so committed that you like that there can't even be like there, there, there can be no backup plan. There can be no, there can be no room for failure. Like you're just committed. Like, yeah, I mean, whenever someone has a backup plan, I always say, just go do that now. Like, I had a friend of mine who was like, yeah, I'm going to push this kettlebell thing, but, you know, if it doesn't work out by this time, I'm like, go fucking do that right now. Yeah. That, that's the wrong attitude they have. My attitude is, was, I'm never going to work for someone ever again, ever. And I want to be a fitness professional. I want to be, I want to succeed in this. I mean, yeah, anything like, else was not even, like, I, I, I didn't even consider it as a possibility. Like, your guy, your, that, that's your guy's weeding out process. And, and, yeah. and it's, and those people have to pay the dues. So they appreciate it and they don't take it for granted. It's like, if, man, if I'm going to, if I'm going to give you this lifetime of work, that I've built and that is, is a value to you. I can't just give it to you, man. Like you got to fucking work for it, you know? Right. Right. And, 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 and it's just like, and it's just like that in, in music too, man. It's like, man, you got to go out there. You got to grind. Like any, any, any band that I'm interested in is a band that's already been doing it. Like, you know, it's like, I don't care 
how good you think your music is or whatever. If you're not out there actively trying to find fans, if you're not act- out there actively doing the work that you feel like someone else should be doing for you, I'm not interested. You know, no, it's it's inspiring when you see bands that have been doing it for a long time and they still grind. Like Madball, I'm a huge fan of Madball, and I saw them in Vegas. And Freddie Madball, the singer, gets up in there, he destroys that place. And then it's like two in the morning, and backstage, he's taking photos with fans, he's doing chats with everybody, he's hanging out, he's cool, and and he's been doing this for over twenty years. Yep. And he doesn't have this attitude of, oh, well, you know, I should have all this by now. You know, the limo should be picking me up and uh, I, I shouldn't have to do this anymore. I shouldn't have to put in this kind of effort. He doesn't even think like that. He just keeps grinding it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it, man. And, and and they figure it out. You know, they figure out a way to do it and they and they do it because they love doing it. Yeah, and absolutely. At the, end, at the end of the day, regardless of what you're you know, your chosen, you know, your desire or passion is, it's like you, you, you have to, that has to be your attitude. And you can always tell when someone's passionate about something or they're not, right? Like they're just going through the, you can always tell when someone's just going through the motions. It's like, Oh, so what do you do? It's like, Oh, I do this. It's like, yeah, you're, um, I'm sure you're really good at it. <laughs> you know, because they just have the, uh, you know, they have, they have the enthusiasm of a tadpole, man. I mean, they've got the depth of a pond. You know, they, they yeah. just, they're just not remotely excited at all. Right. Yeah. And that's always a side of don't do it. Like when someone wants to get in our industry, the fitness business, and they're not really passionate about fitness, like they love working out. They, they love reading about nutrition and training in their free time and watching videos and going to lectures without making a dime. You know, it's like a hobby of theirs. If they don't have that kind of passion, you're not going to turn that into a business. No, no, because, and, and then also too, like you won't, if you're not that entrenched in it, that you're, you're not, there's no way that you're going to be able to carve out your own niche out of it. Like, I mean, you right. know, like you, right. you, ca- you carved out your own thing, but you just didn't wake up one day and go, Oh dude, you know what? Live life aggressively. Like it's like that, that, <laughs> that, that like, that, that, like that, that, you know, that came out of you being entrenched in that world. And you're like, you know what? And you go like, you know what, you know what personally resonates with me that I don't see anybody else doing and how I, how I, like I can make a, make a statement in this, world that I love being in, but I, I feel like other people resonate with it as well. And and that's what you did and you carved it up, but you had to be engulfed in in it to even have that idea and, and to, to see it through. Yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate that. A lot of it came from people saying, oh, you're too intense, man. Like relax. I had this ex-girlfriend. It's like, you're just too aggressive. You know, not, not like aggressive in a violent way, but just always so intense. And I was like, those aren't negative things. <laughs> you know, well, what I need to do is get rid of you because you see it as a negative thing. Yeah. And, but that, but, that, but I, remember, I remember when I first came up with that live life aggressively motto, the guy who was designing my website was like, ah, you know, Mahler's aggressive strength, live life aggressively. I think, I think this is going to be too intense. You know, you're not going to get a big audience. I was like, ah, I'm not concerned about that, man. You know, yeah. if I, if I can't get a bit, if I can't be successful being exactly who I am and, and being authentic, then I'm not interested in this business. You know, it's, yeah, not, I mean, it's not for me then. You'll, you'll get the audience that you want though. Exactly. You know, I'd rather have a cult following that yeah. loves my material and I can just be myself rather than, okay, it's like I got to go into character every yeah. time I do something because that's what people want. You know, that's going to become a real dream. It's like someone being in a relationship where they have to, to be something they're not. Because yeah. if, if they're really who they are, the other person's going to, you know, run for the hills. It's, it's like, no, you, it's not going to sustain itself, man. That's not going to work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, great, man. It's awesome having you on. This was a real pleasure. It was a real treat. Yeah. And, yeah uh, thanks for having me. Uh, is there anything you have coming up? Any shows you have coming on or projects you're working on? 
No, no, man. I mean, uh, 2016 is going to be pretty light on the gigs, and okay. uh, and it'll just be you know focusing on management because uh, Ozzy's doing um, all you know. It's like a Sabbath year. Oh yeah, so, right. So, so the so they're you know the the solo stuff will take a back seat while the Sabbath thing runs its course, and um and then you know maybe Zach and I will do some some uh, you know some Zach Sabbath like little stuff here and there, but but uh, for the most part you know there won't be a whole lot of gigging, so um I'll just be uh, I'll just be grinding away, dude. You know, so oh, it sounds great. Yeah. Now you have a you have a charity you're really into. It's, it's a cat rescue. What's the name of that charity? We can give that a plug in the notes too. Oh uh, yeah, Kitten Rescue LA. I mean, there, there's a handful of them. Like okay, like I I I I I've, I've sort of inadvertently built this like cat following because it's like when I, when I, when I, when I, when I first got on Instagram, I just thought it was boring to like, you know, like post photos of myself. I was like, Oh, what, who cares? You know, like what I'm, doing, you know? And so, so I just started posting pictures of my cats and then, and then that, that built this whole, like, like it's like COI, which is cats of Instagram. Like I became yeah. part, of this, part of this community or whatever. And then, and then, and then, and then with that comes the whole rescue thing and, you know, and you get, you get involved and in, in whatever. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of like the, and there's a lot of them in LA and, and, uh, and stuff. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, communities and, and, uh, rescues and, and, and stuff. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the surface of that, but like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in there. So yeah, kitten rescue LA is, is what, what we, uh, what I, uh, um, donated to for my birthday. Cause like whenever, like, like me and my buddy, we have this, we share the same birthday. And, um, and so what we did is we teamed up and we're just like, Hey, look, you know, fucking like, don't like, don't give us, you know, don't send us presents. Don't send us gift certificates. Fucking don't do jack shit. Like, don't even say happy birthday. Just, you know, <laughs> go, just donate to our GoFund account, and then we're gonna, you know, put that into our respective charities. Nice. I think that I think that's a good philosophy yeah. for Christmas right now. Like uh, years ago, I decided I'm just gonna donate money to different charities that family members, loved ones, et cetera, are into. Like my mom's a big elephant fan, so I donated to Elephant Sanctuary. My dad helps kids in Uganda, orphans and so forth, so I would donate to his charity. And, and that, that's just more meaningful. And then you yeah. feel like if you feel like it's really a win win too, you're not just you're not just furthering someone's hoarding habits. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah actually- I mean Beyond that, dude, like, do uh, what sh- more? What more shit do I fucking need? <laughs> yeah, right. right. You need I, another I, fucking tie, you know, or socks, more on. socks, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No, absolutely not. I do not need more fucking crap. Like, I'm trying to like. <laughs> I'm trying to purge. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of stuff. Like, yeah. don't bring anything in my house. I'm trying to get stuff out of my house. That's, yeah, that's, okay. the, that's, the, that's the irony of life, isn't it? It's like you make all this money, you buy stuff, and you're like, man, how do I get rid of all this shit? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody comes to your house, hey, man, that's really cute. You like it? Take it home. You can yeah. have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do that all the time. Oh, you like you like that painting? Here, let me tell you. It's yours. Like, really? like, take that book. Go ahead. Take it. Take it. <laughs> Whenever I buy something, I always think. I was like, okay, is this – Am I actually going to use this, or is it going to end yeah. up at the Goodwill or the library? Or you know, is this actually going to be something hey, useful? Nine times is, out of ten, I walk out without buying anything. My question yeah. is: Is do I want this or do I need this? Tell me, that's a very simple question. Like, do you really need this? To my, no, I just want yeah. it. I really want it. You know, then somebody's always going to tell me, well, you know, you, you deserve things. You work hard. You should get the things you want. I'm like, okay. Somebody, somebody, don't try to validate your hoarding on me, buddy. I'm like, I'm trying to get rid of crap. Just take it. Somebody, yeah. Just, like, do you guys ever do this shit too, where you're like, there's like a, you know, like a bigger ticket item that you've really got like your eye on. You're like, oh, fuck yeah, man. When I get this next, like, you know, bonus check or whatever, like, I, I, I'm, it's going, it's going right there. I want that. And then, 
And then you get that, right? You get you get the check or whatever it is that you're waiting on, and you get it, and and then mm. and then you go and then you go like, oh, you know what? I I don't even want to drop that amount of dough. Exactly. On That's always just you. my wife and I first started dating. Like when she's like, hey, I want that. I said, all right, let's do this. Let, wait yeah. two days. Wait two days. And if you're still thinking yeah. about it, go back and get it. That's and right. after two days, because because guess what? That's what that's the same tactic I use with my children growing up. Whenever they were like, Daddy, I want this. We'll see. So, <laughs> we'll see is the best answer a parent can give to a child growing up because yeah. you you didn't lie. We'll see. Yeah. And obviously, you know, a year later, we saw that you didn't buy it and you didn't want it anymore. So <laughs> hey, there you go. I didn't I didn't finish well, the sentence. I just said we'll see, which is a complete sentence. Okay, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't very specific. You know, that's the thing about oh, it. That's open for interpretation. <laughs> yeah. I think it's better to spend money on on experiences. Right? Exactly. Go, go go travel the world. Go to a go to on a nice vacation. You know, go out for a nice dinner, like experiences, creating memories, right? That thing, that thing, that's more meaningful, and ultimately stuff you'll look back on more fondly than just a bunch of material clutter you bought over the years. For sure. <laughs> you know, Agreed. Well, awesome, man. Great having you. And also, what, what's your Twitter handle for people to follow you? Uh, I, I'm the same. Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all Blasco. 1313 B-L-A-S-K-O-1313. Amen. Okay, Some of these pictures you have on Instagram are hilarious, especially the one that Zach Wild. <laughs> the, the mini moods of Mr. Blasco that Zach Wild oh, yeah. with the with the cat heads on your body is freaking yes. hilarious, man. Yes. <laughs> Zach, Zach's a funny guy too. Yes, he's always he is. talking he's always talking about steroids. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's like, I'm huge now since I've started taking growth hormone. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah. If, if, yeah. I mean you can you can you can follow my Instagram if you want, but really you should just go Zach Wild. BLS, you should yes. just go follow that one because that's <laughs> yeah. highly more entertaining. entertaining than mine. If you just want to look at pictures of tuxedo cats, follow mine. But if <laughs> you if you want to have have a laugh or whatever, you should follow his. <laughs> and everyone, check out that episode that Blasco did with Josta on it. Yeah. It's episode 137, 137. That was a great episode. So again, man, this was a real pleasure. I've been looking appreciate forward to talking to you for a while. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks a lot, man. For sure, man. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good weekend and a good holiday. All right, All right you too, man. Take you care. take care. Yeah, right Thank on. you. Take care, everyone. All right, man. That was a fun one. And this is this is a great way to end 2015. You know, this is going to be our last episode for the year because we know a bunch of you guys are out there wasting time with material <laughs> bullshit, you know, not listening to podcasts and furthering yourself. So it's a good time for us to pull back the reins. And so when you finally listen to this episode, just remember what we said about hoarding and getting rid of that stuff. So when somebody comes over your house and sees all that crap you bought for Christmas that you don't care about or that you were given you know, at Christmas, just like, hey, man, I liked it. Hey. You like it? Take it. So, yeah, that's the one takeaway you can take from this episode. Like, you don't have to hold on to that crap just because somebody bought it for you and you know you don't care about it. Hey, if somebody else likes it, give it to them. A lot of times when I have lunch meetings with friends, I'll, I'll always grab a book off the shelf to give. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, I bet that person would like this. Bam, yeah, you listen to them talk like, man, I wonder how you know successful people. Oh, I got this book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Hey, man, here you go. Really? I can have it? Yes. And when you're done with it, donate it to someone else. Keep it moving. Right. Pay it forward, man. Exactly. Yeah. Keep it moving, man. Like how many times do you need to read it? Like you read the book five <laughs> times. Like, oh, maybe I'll read it a six times. Like, no, you're not. Just move it on, man. Move it on. Give it away. Man. Give it away, man. <laughs> you know, I do that with uh, kettlebells, too, man. Like my friend Dave Gunter was working out here, and I, yeah. I, had, a sec- I had a second pair of competition 24-kilo bells. Yeah. He's like, oh, these bells are pretty nice. I'm like, take them, man. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, fucking take them, man. You're supporting the podcast all the time. You're buying my products. You're a friend of mine. It's like, what am I going to do with four pairs of 24 kilos? I'm not teaching classes. I only need yeah, one exactly. set. You know? Exactly, man. So, yeah, speaking of supporting the podcast, 
<laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you guys can support both of our businesses as well as the podcast by heading over to MikeMahler.com or NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA, get 10% off all of our products. You find something over there, man, that you can purchase, you can use that coupon code and get 10% off. It's really just that simple. So if you're going to buy stuff for the holidays for people, buy them some stuff that's actually going to do them some good. Okay, not, not another pair of socks. You know, get Mike's testosterone booster for, you know, your uncle who's got the man boobs that he's been holding on to for the last... <laughs> Last 30 years and you know it's to the point now that anytime he puts you put your child in their lap or whatever they can't even see you and take a picture with the i mean yeah some, some of you guys some, some of face. you guys may have a goal in 2016 to finally see your dick again you know? <laughs> I mean, as well as your wife she would like to as well so you look yeah. down to take a leak you only see your feet man so well, i mean no, you, maybe look you, down, have a, you look down toes, to take right? a leak and all you see is a puddle on the floor because you <laughs> you're not close enough move up man move up okay you don't be so ambitious okay move up so yeah man so that's what you can do with that or you can head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast become a monthly supporter of the show man and we'll keep bringing great great guests like Blasco as well as Charles Poliquin and many others man to the show and who drops so much good information gives you just a peek inside their lives a lot of folks you've probably seen online or you've seen them you know like you've seen them on albums like with Blasco or whatever but you never yeah. had a chance to really got to get to know these people but the thing is when people come on our show it's not the same crappy cookie cutter questions or whatever we get we get these people to come on and let them be themselves man we, we let them just have at it and you get to see like wow that's a real person and nine yeah. times out of ten you probably like them even more so yeah, that, and that's the benefit of the show, man, because, again, we don't want the manufactured, you know, well, P PC type person to come on this show. We want you to be you. OK, and that's the thing about it. Well, we're know, also not trying to do a show where a lot a lot of podcasts, they're just oh wait. They, they have they have a wait and see philosophy. Right. And what oh, I mean yeah. is what I mean is they're just looking like, oh, who, who does, who's who's who does Joe Rogan have on the show this week? Oh, let's get that guy on <laughs> yeah. next week or. Who does James Altucher have on this week? You know, they're looking at hot podcasts. Yes. Who does Tim Ferriss have on this yeah. week? Let's try to get that person. We're guest leechers is what I call those. They just right. want to leech off all the guests off everybody else's shows because they don't really have an interest in these folks. They just want to have an interest in downloads. And you yeah. know, and for those of you who have podcasts and you fit that bill, you suck. So let that let that be <laughs> let that be the takeaway for you for 2015. So if you have any goals that you're going to work on in 2016, be original and do not continue to suck. All right. Yeah, if you're going to do a podcast, how about getting some guests that you've never heard on any show? <laughs> right. Like, you know, like Luke Snooski and Rohit Kalra and James Pond. And you know, these are really interesting people that a lot of podcasts okay. are going to shy away from because they're going, oh, well, we're no, not going to get, we're not going to get the numbers that we exactly. want because of this like, and that. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, if this person's been on 40 podcasts that week, what makes you feel like you being number 41 is going to actually help your podcast? You and then, then also your podcast is now just a derivative of someone else's podcast. Right. So you're, all you're doing is having guests that someone else has. Like, okay, well, what does that say about your show? Right. So, <laughs> so oh, there's a little takeaway for you going into the new year, how to make a better show if you have a podcast. So anyhow, folks, <laughs> enough about those folks. We'll catch you guys, I guess, 2016. How about that? See you in 2016. Boom. Boom. Take care, everybody.